Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast. Today, well... Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? You know, I like that, Ryan, but Sean, can you cue some appropriate music for this episode? Which hip-hop artists are we picking today? <laughs> Always L.O. Cool J, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Is there any other hip-hop artist? All right, today we're going to talk about friends uh, or relationships more broadly uh, all the people you have in your life whether it's your coworkers your acquaintances your family both immediate family and distant family and of course all different types of friends or relationships that you have in your life Ryan how was your valentine's day oh it was so nice yeah is that why you're still wearing that lingerie <laughs> <laughs> it was my gift. <laughs> I thought you'd like it. <laughs> uh, well, I bought it. Of course I like it. <laughs> no, man. What did you do? So uh, we're recording this a day after Valentine's Day. Well, Bex, is o- Bex and Ella are both over in Bozeman. Oh, that's right. So I... So you're home I, by yourself. Yeah, I did nothing. You were totally like... I was very romantic, though. Making out with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> lit some candles. <laughs> what did I do yesterday? I went to... Oh, I saw uh, my buddy enga- or got engaged to his girlfriend, John Nillis. You, pro- you probably uh, uh, have heard of him. I've probably run into him before. Yeah, yeah. Um, him and his... So he like basically what? went to the Roxy. It's an independent theater we have in Missoula, Montana. He rented out a theater. And like he's also a, a, a movie maker. Uh-huh. And he told his girlfriend, he's like, oh, I've got this like screening I have to do. You know, I, I uh, have to do it on Valentine's Day. I'm sorry. We'll get out of there by, you know, really early. I've got reservations. So he kind of like teed it up like that. But it was really a like a, you know, 10 minute video of, of their lives together. And then he proposed afterwards. And yeah, it was really, really cool. It was really, really cool. Wow, man. Yeah, it was like a really well thought out uh, proposal. And then Mariah and I, we didn't really do much, man. I got her some flowers. We went out to dinner. We didn't even have reservations. We were just like bouncing around until we like finally found a spot at the bar somewhere. And Bex uh, texted me from Bozeman. I'm going out there uh, tomorrow to not go skiing. Yes. As you've as you seen on the calendar. I bet ca- you can't wait to not go skiing. <laughs> man, I'm really looking forward to not skiing out in Bozeman. <laughs> but her whole family's there, so we'll be hanging out with them. And they will be skiing, and I will not be. But uh, she sent me a text yesterday. She just said, "Thanks for not for for not being that guy." And she's like, "I'm I'm at the grocery store right now. It's 4:45 p.m. and there are dozens of guys searching through wilted flowers <laughs> <laughs> and assorted chocolates." That's awesome. Yeah, no, I was totally that guy searching through wilted flowers <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> no, actually, it wasn't Wilson. I went right after uh, we recorded this podcast for the first time yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're now re-recording it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, I went over there in the morning, and it was like it was just as packed as I'm sure it was at, at four o'clock in, in the afternoon. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's funny. I, well, I wasn't going to get Mariah anything, and then it was just like a few days beforehand. She had just like made one small little comment about like, 
oh, you know, I don't want anything, but, you know, it's nice to be thought of. And I'm like, all right, I like flowers. I know she likes flowers. I get your hints. Like, and that's okay with me, right? Like, yeah. she likes to be appreciated on Valentine's Day. Like, I'm not going to make her feel bad for that. No, of course um, not. Yeah, so, like, I, I went out of my way to get her something. Uh, what? So, it's not consumable. What would you call that? Wow. It's not an experience. You don't eat the flowers? <laughs> Wait, Am I doing this wrong? Should I be dipping them in chocolate and eat them? <laughs> I forgot to ask the florist to dip them in chocolate. That's the problem. <laughs> no, I, I really like getting flowers for Bex, but I'll, I'll do it at just a random date. Like, well, today is March 7th. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and I totally do that too. And yeah. Mars, like, she's just like, it's still flowers on Valentine's Day. That's a, that's, that's means a lot to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, uh, so be it. It is it is an experience, even if it's not a, a consumable, but it is something that will you know die. Although our in about cat tried week. to like knock him over last night. Well, that's a different kind of experience. <laughs> so this will be interesting. So you, you mentioned your friend John and and going to his um, proposal screening. Yes, I guess that's what you would call it. Yeah. And, and so this episode will be really different because we have two different perspectives on friendships, mm. uh, much like our, our stress episode that we recorded a, a few episodes back. You and I uh, are radically different people in terms of our personalities. And, and because of that, we have different types of, of friendships in our lives. You're, you're an extreme extrovert. I'm an extreme introvert. I spend 80 or 90% of my time alone, which means, A, I don't have a lot of time for a lot of other relationships in, in my life, but you are constantly around other people. And we sort of, I don't, wouldn't say systematize, but we prioritize our relationships a, a bit differently. Uh, and there are going to be some similarities there as well. I think especially when it comes to sort of the, the primary relationships in our life, you and I will share a lot of similarities. But then when we get to these outer tiers, and we'll talk about these different tiers of, of relationships, we, we're certainly different in, yeah. uh, from each other. And I think that'll make for a good episode because we have, we have some good questions from, from some people here. So should we, should we go ahead and dive Let's in? Let's dive into it, man. Our first question is from Teague in Cardiff, California. Um, I have a question for you guys regarding um, relationships, in particular, um, really close friends of yours. I know you guys have mentioned in the past that you guys have this relationship, um, but you have different beliefs but share the same values. And I think um, my question is coming from, you know, obviously in 2016 we had this election, and I think it brought up a lot of obviously strong feelings, but for me personally, I found out that some of the people that I have close relationships with and love dearly had these very strong beliefs that I didn't know were so, felt so strongly for them until now. And I think right now I'm just struggling with to continue a relationship with them, knowing that they feel so different about certain things for me. And so if maybe I could get you guys to clear up how you guys differentiate between your values and your beliefs and then how you, you know, respectfully go about having conversations if you do it all around these certain topics like politics, religion, all those kinds of really nitty gritty subjects. So your friends voted for someone different. <laughs> no, you know, uh, Josh and I, we definitely voted for someone different. Yep. And uh, we, we can talk about politics and religion. With, you know, at a, I was going to say a pretty reasonable level, but I think it's even more. It's even a, a more than reasonable level. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think 
So Ryan and I, so she mentioned talking about values and beliefs. So, so let me walk through this list real quick. And I, I want to get your, your take on this, Ryan, because I've, I've, I've started writing about this a little bit, but I haven't fully articulated it. And, and this will be a nice little test ground here. So I think there are like six different levels of connection with other people. That almost sounds like a, a match.com ad or something. <laughs> there are 29 different. Uh, I think there are six different levels. And I, I think the, the, the foundation has to do with values. What are, mm. are your values? And the people in my life, uh, especially the people in my primary relationships or even my secondary relationships, but just my relationships in general, my friendships in general, the people in my life tend to have if not the same values, very similar values to what I have. Now, there could be, now we needed to d differentiate between that as well. There are sort of uh, core values, there are higher order values that we wrote about in Minimalism of a Meaningful Life, but then there are other sort of uh, secondary values or, or perceived values. And while I won't get into too much detail on all of that, I think the values are sort of the bedrock Absolutely. of a good relationship. Couldn't agree more with that. But then, so that's almost like the destination. You want to be able to going to the same place with the, the friends in your life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but some of you are going to take different paths to get there, different religious paths, different political paths. Uh, I, I mean, I know people who are libertarians and socialists who have the same values. They just get there via radically different means. Same, same thing with atheists versus Christians. Yeah, I, I find that Many of them, not all of them, certainly. I mean, not all Christians have the same values, right? Um, and, and not all atheists have the same values, certainly. And so what I found is that they, they take different paths to get to the same value system. Mm. And so to me, that's sort of the, the, the second level. So when you, say, when you say paths, okay, so paths are beliefs. Yeah, okay, yeah. I got gotcha. you. So, so your, your beliefs would be how you get to that, mm. that, that set of values. Yeah. And then I think the... the the sort of levels beyond that ha has to do with our objectives or some people might say goals, like what are your, your goals in life? And a good example here is uh, one of the reasons, there are two reasons that I think my marriage ended. Um, one is that I was negligent. It was my fault. I wasn't, I was mm. forsaking the people closest to me, including my wife. Well, that'll ruin any relationship, marriage or friendship or. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it, regardless of whether or not you have the same values or the same beliefs, if you are, if, if you're forsaking the relationship, meaning you're, you're taking more than you're giving, which is what I was certainly doing in, in that relationship, then the other people's going to, uh, the other person's going to feel used. And, uh, but the uh, other reason is I feel like we had different goals mm. that were, that were binary goals. And I'll give you an example. Like uh, Carrie really wanted to have kids. You know, she now has uh, a set of twins. Right. Uh, and she's very happy. She's very happy yeah. with that. But that isn't one that I can you, you can sort of be halfway in on, right? right. Having kids together is like, well, I can't be she can't be half pregnant. Uh, I suppose she could get pregnant by someone else, but that wasn't my idea of an ideal <laughs> marriage. And and so uh, we we didn't have similar we didn't have similar goals, and we also we we truthfully didn't have similar values either. Uh, I valued mobility a lot more than than she did, and I valued uncertainty uh, more than she did, and and that's okay. I mean, it, there, there's no, there's no problem having different values, but you realize that in time. Here's the other thing that, that I've noticed, Ryan, is sometimes with these, with these friendships, 
Like you might have the same values for a period of time, but we grow sure. as individuals. And and with that growth, that means sometimes our paths will bifurcate. Yeah. And so we had this, you know, ten year period together and we were great friends. And it reminds me of that the the Nas line from his his second album it was written when he said uh, love changes and best friends become strangers and that that's true i mean the people who i i mean I, in elementary school Brian Eds was my best friend in elementary school i haven't talked to Brian Eds in 30 years or i don't know 25 years or whatever uh, he moved to a different city and i just never saw him again and and that's okay there was a period of time where we were best friends yeah. and i think the same was even true for me and you like mm. w when you got married when you were 18 we kind of went our different ways and you went from sort of being this primary relationship in my life in, in high school or maybe secondary to being this tertiary this third tier of relationship we yeah. We just weren't as connected uh, back uh, back then, and that's okay. But then our paths also intersected again. Well, you know, you, you weren't a Jehovah's Witness, so I wasn't allowed to hang out with you. Yeah, that's right. I was very worldly. <laughs> I wore baggy jeans, and yeah. that was unacceptable. Right. Um, but so, so that's, for me, the third level. So the first the sort of basic level is values. Then the paths to get there, the second level would be your belief system. And many of my friends have different beliefs from me. You and I, we have different political beliefs. We have different religious beliefs, but we have the same values. Mm. Uh, beyond that, uh, if I go to these other levels, the, the same goals. It's good to have similar objectives, especially with people in your primary circle, the people you're spending should be spending the most time with. Yes, it's good to have uh, a, a at least be headed in the same direction. Yeah, I mean, if we had two different directions, we were heading into how well would this work? It wouldn't. I'd either be dragging you kicking and screaming in my direction, or right. vice versa. You'd be dragging me kicking and screaming. And then beyond that, there there are some sort of softer levels here, and uh, I would call these interests, desires, and preferences. Mm. And so. You and I, we have uh, certainly similar uh, objectives, but we have different personal interests. Sure. Yeah, we, we spend our time differently. Uh, I'm actually reminded, as I'm saying that, I was listening to a while ago, I sent you this episode, uh, Jordan Harbinger on The Art of Charm. He, he interviewed uh, Penn Jillette. And, oh, yes. Uh, of Penn and Teller. That was a great Man, that was such a great podcast. And and we'll put a link to that in, in the show notes, Sean, if you don't mind doing that. But what what I learned from from that episode is their relationship is pretty similar to our relationship. Mm -hmm. You and I, we don't spend a ton of time together every week. We don't we're not together twenty hours a week kind of thing, unless we're working on, on something. Right. And or if we're on tour. You know, going on tour is just my excuse to be able to hang out with you more. Right. Um, <laughs> and, which by the way, we're going on tour soon, folks. The minimalists.com slash tour for uh, dates and tickets and all that fun stuff. But um, what, I, what I've learned is you and I have different interests and that's totally okay. We can be supportive of the other person's interests as long as it's not harming anyone else. Sure. You love snowboarding and going out to social events and bars and, and, and you know, normal sort of things that extroverts do. And me, I like doing a lot of boring stuff. A lot of normal things that introverts like to do. But yeah. to you, it's not boring. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. To me, it's uh, intellectually stimulating. I enjoy writing. I enjoy... You know, I was up at 5 a.m. this morning going to the sauna, and and that doesn't work as well for you. We, no. we, we've tried to hang out at the sauna at 6 or 7 a.m. I you're made like, it there one time that early. <laughs> 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 and, 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 you know, for me, we start recording these, these podcasts right around 9 a.m., 
and half of my day is already over at 9 a.m. Mm. Uh, as of this morning, I, I've, I've gone to the sauna. I have done an hour of uh, PT. I've exercised. I wrote for an hour and you know showered and all that fun stuff to, to get ready for this. But come 6 p.m., I'm like, it's bedtime. It's I, I've got to get ready, for, start getting ready for bed. And come 6 p.m. for you, you're like... I'm like, Man. all right, I got to get some work done. I got to write. I got to go to the sauna. I got to do some PT exercises. <laughs> yeah, and, and so we have, we have different uh, preferences. And so that, that to me is like so the highest or, or the, the softest level, I might say. We just have different preferences, and that's okay. The people you surround yourself are going to be different from you. And I think mm-hmm. that's ultimately where, where I'm getting here. If we go through your values, those should probably be similar to the people in, in uh, that you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. If not, you're going to want to surround yourself with people who have, if not the same values, similar values. Beliefs, yeah, you want to have some similar beliefs, but you're going to have different beliefs. That's what makes relationships work. Yeah, Ryan and I have different personalities. That means we're going to have different beliefs. I am an INTJ. He is an ENFP. If you look at the Myers-Briggs, we're almost exact opposites. We have this, this pedagogical relationship where I am your mentor and you're also my mentor. And that, that really helps our relationship grow. And those types of relationships work really well because we're, we're both giving and we're both growing at the same time, but in different ways. And, and so you don't want everyone in your life to be just like you. That That's called absolute certainty. Mm. But what is absolute certainty? It's boredom. Yeah. Absolute certainty just means you're going to be bored out of your mind. You want variety in your life. And, and to do that, you have to surround yourself and by the way, for you to grow it is to experience different points of view. Beliefs, that's all they are. Different points of view. Yeah, I go way out of my way to like hang out with people who do different things than I do. Like, uh, let's see, when I was, I'm trying to think when we started to go to concerts a lot. Um, Late 20s. I was 27 when I really yeah, started going to a lot yeah, of Yeah, and like I just remember you and I, and, and when you were married to Carrie, like we would go out. And whoever my girlfriend was at the time, like we, you know, double date and like we'd go out and go to concerts and we've consistently done that yeah. over the last however many years. Yeah, we just did that last week. Me, you, Bex, Mariah. I don't think that I would do that on my own. Like I would still right. go to concerts, but I don't think I would go to as many concerts. And because uh, you, uh, uh, that is your preference and you invite me out to these, these concerts, like I get to f- discover new artists who, if I heard their CD... Like Joshua James is a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. You played me his CD like this guy is so awesome. I'm like, eh, that's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, but then like you know he had a concert. It was you know close enough. We went and I was like, oh my god, this is like. And now yeah, that same CD I love. So like some people you have to see. Well, after maybe after you see them live, it's like when you just appreciate them that much more. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if I if it wasn't for you, I don't think I would have ever have really gotten into you know Joshua and James. Just as, that's just one example. But even with my other friends who are. Uh, a lot of them are starving artists mm. and they're, they're into, um, you know, activism and, uh, so, uh, uh, performing arts, so forth and so on things that like, I never would go out of my way to do, but because they're my friends, they introduced me to these things and I'm like, holy moly, like I actually like this stuff. Yeah. Like last Sunday I was at a uh, cabaret that my friend, uh, Rebecca Schaefer directed. Uh-huh. Um, it's called, uh, uh, viscosity theaters is, is her company. But it's like her and like four or five friends. They throw on this cabaret. It's like unwildly inappropriate but hilarious. 
um, something again, like I don't think I ever would have gone to, but because Rebecca is the one that puts it on, you know, I want to go up there and show her support. Yeah. If you were walking by it and you saw the poster, you'd just yeah. be like, yeah, I'm like, yeah whatever. For, not for me. But I've been going for like the last three years that she's been doing it uh-huh. because that first one I went to, I was like, oh my God, this is genius. But yeah, I, I mean, just to your point of it's, it's very helpful, beneficial, and it helps you grow. Uh, mm-hmm. When you can in- interject uh, some people who have different, uh, wh- what did you call it, interests or preferences? Yeah, so so I think preference is sort of the softest one. Yeah, different interests too. I mean, it becomes a little bit more difficult when someone has, especially if you're talking about a partner, whether it's a, a business partner or a, a especially a significant other. If they have radically different interests from you uh, and, and it right. means you're going to have to compromise a lot, which I'm okay with, but... but you want to make sure that you differentiate compromise from sacrifice. Like if Mariah didn't snowboard, it would uh-huh. not work. Wow. Like it, that, that was one of my like huge things. Wow. Yeah. Like that's a big one for me. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So uh, Bex loves skiing. So like she's out in Bozeman right now skiing her whole family's out there skiing. I refuse to do it again. I've tried it. It is, and so my, my it's guess very, is, it's a very selfish reason why that is with me and Mariah because uh-huh. I just want a partner on the hill, right? Who can keep track of me if I fall in a tree well or something. <laughs> 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 no, we have a blast though. Like I just, well, you know, I'm an extrovert. Like uh-huh. I could go skiing by myself, and I've done that. Yeah, but I would much rather go skiing with like one or two people. Yeah. So like when I was, you know, uh, dating and, um, you know, looking to to settle down and and uh be monogamous i was really really adamant about like okay if if i'm going to be monogamous with someone who i'm going to see every single day mm-hmm. um they've got to be able to get on the hill with me that's interesting so so yeah i'm uh, i'll go down that path for a second here but that makes a lot of sense so what you're talking about when you're looking for a partner or even friends, I think one of the things to ask and, and to write down is to make a list of like, what attributes do I want this person yeah. to have? And also what attributes can they not have? Right? Like for me, I couldn't date someone who was a smoker personally. Right. It just, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. For I me. couldn't either. Yeah, it's... yeah. But, but we both have in the past at some point. Sure. Right. And, and I, when, when you do that, you realize like, okay, this, this is something that and I, it doesn't mean I want to try to change the person. I find that happens all the time. I have friends who are like, well, yeah, I'm just going to get him or her to, you know, I'm just hiding their cigarettes or I'm like, mm, that's not, when does that ever work? Yeah, that's it, not, yeah. It, it doesn't, not a good and, approach. And so while doing that with your most intimate relationships makes sense, it also makes a lot of sense with your friendships. Like what kind of friends do I want in my life? And what you'll find is that, some of the people who are in your life now, they fit that bill. Other people in your life don't fit that bill. And you have some more roles in your life uh, to, to fill at this point because you have you, you, there are sort of voids in your life. You, I want these attributes in my friends, and many of my friends don't have these attributes. Well, there are 7 billion people in the world. You, you can find someone with those attributes and, and start surrounding yourself slowly. It's not going to hap- happen overnight. M- but my guess is also, Ryan, when you go to some of these things, like the cabaret or whatever, there's some of those things that don't resonate with you and you don't keep going. It's not like you're you're forcing yourself. Yeah, it's not like every single skit is yeah, there's some that I absolutely Right, but or you do something with a friend one time and then you'll be like, "Ah, it's not for me." Yeah. Like going to the sauna at 7 a.m. You're like, "Ah, Right, I, like I, I like don't. going to the sauna, but that's too early for me to to right. to, to do that." And and so you'll you'll learn by trying these different things what you like and what you dislike. Mm. And I have a rule in my life I, I won't do things that I dislike, and and I know that s- sounds awful to some people. Sometimes you just have to do things you dislike. 
No, you don't. You 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 should do things that make you uncomfortable. Mm. So I won't do things that I dislike, but I will do things that bring me discomfort mm. because that discomfort zone is the place from which I grow the most. And so uh, going on tour is a really good example for that. You know, one of the things I'll talk about when people say, uh, when you, you're on the road, do you really love this? So there are three things I hate, traveling, large crowds of people, and public speaking. And that's all true, except that I don't ha truly hate them. It's just they make me uncomfortable. Right. I'm not a natural public speaker. I, I certainly don't enjoy traveling. In fact, just traveling by itself, I would dislike. Uh, I don't want to travel in perpetuity like our friend Colin. He's a great guy. I love him. And that's what he that's that's his interest. That's his desire. That's his preference. But it's not mine. Mm. And and I found that that just traveling by itself would be difficult, but that is the hurdle I have to climb over. That's the drudgery for me that allows me to speak in front of people, get better at that. It's a growth experience, but also allows me to contribute to other people's lives mm -hmm. in a different way. And so ultimately it helps me grow while any one of those things by itself, they make me a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and yes, you get more comfortable with it over time, but you still stay pretty uncomfortable doing things that, that stretch uh, stretch that certainty that add a lot of variety to your life. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. No, I was gonna say, all right. So like you find someone who you layer with really well, you, you're good friends, but you I like have, that as a verb, man. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you, 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 you got a good friend, but you know, you voted for different people. Mm. How do you talk to them about that? Well, like, how, how do you do it without, without creating a huge debate and people leaving upset? Cause you and I talk about it all the time. Yes. I don't ever leave upset. Yeah, well, and I think that's important to realize when someone else is upset. What are your objectives is the first thing that I want to look at. Is your objective to make the other person upset? Because if so, that's not a very good friend. And then also realizing that, you know what? We have, we have a lot more similarities probably than we have differences about mm. this. If you have the same values, you're just getting there via different paths. And it's not about trying to change their mind on something. Right. It's about trying to reach an accord and, and maybe change yourself in the process. And, and I, I think being honest about that while having those difficult conversations uh, that, you know what, I'm not trying to change this person, but maybe I can be open to some of the things that they have to say. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean I have to agree with everything they have to say. If they voted for this person and I voted for someone else. Well, here, here's a good example. So our, our good friend, Joshua Becker, who runs a website called Becoming Minimalist. It's mm -hmm. a, a very popular blog, and he's written some uh, really helpful books. He's in our documentary, Minimalism. Uh, him and his wife, Kim, and they have two kids, and they live in the suburbs in Phoenix. And he voted for Donald Trump mm. and he was a big time Donald Trump supporter. And he held Facebook live events to talk about why he was he was supporting Donald Trump and talked about it very articulately. And so he and I may have voted for different people. Right. But we still so we have different beliefs, political beliefs. But we have similar values. You and I have worked with him to build an orphanage in Honduras. And this year we're working with him to build a orphanage right on the U.S.-Mexican border. Mm -hmm. And and what that tells me is that, no, we may not agree on everything, but what do we agree on? Mm. And can we agree to start with that as a foundation? What do we agree on? And then let's talk about those other things. And they may be some difficult conversations. And I think the, the thing I would recommend uh, for Teague, and I don't have a copy of this book, Sean, so if you could maybe order one for her. There's a gal from Harvard, uh, a professor from Harvard. Her name's uh, Sheila Heen. 
And she wrote a book called uh, Difficult Conversations. Mm. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes for anyone who's interested in it. But it helped me realize that every conversation is actually three different conversations that, hmm. that's going on at once. So, oh, my goodness. I know. My ADD self just got really excited about that. <laughs> and my OCD <laughs> self tried to organize them very neatly on the table in three different piles. <laughs> but I think it's important because when you're having a conversation that's a difficult conversation, yeah. and I know I won't do it as much justice as the book does, but let me try to simplify it a little bit because it's, it's com- difficult conversations are complex. But a, a difficult conversation, it, it, it involves trust or truth. So let's just talk. It, it, it's what are the facts of the matter, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then the second conversation are the feelings or the emotional side. So you have the intellectual conversation. Mm-hmm. What are the facts? The second conversation is what are the emotions? Well, how does this make me feel? And then the third conversation that, that we're having simultaneously is... It's about the identity. What does this say about me as a person? Mm. Now, Freud would have said, this first one is the superego, the intellectual side of things. And again, I'm oversimplifying here. The, the, the middle, middle one is uh, the feeling side. That's the id. It's the, the immediate response to things, the knee-jerk reaction to things. And then there's the ego side of things, which is, which is over here. Um, the, the analogy that I like for this, well, actually, so, so the ego side would be, well, what does it say about me as a person? Who am I? What's my identity? And, yeah. and, and is what this person person saying, is it a judgment on who I am? Does it mean I'm a good person or a bad person? You mm. and I see this all the time. Oh, yeah. I couldn't be a minimalist because people think that we're, we're, we're judging them because we've gotten rid of our excess stuff. Right. And I'm not judging anyone. I'm, all I can do is identify but that's what identity is, right? It, it is saying, I identify with who you are as a person, and whether or not I make some sort of action, take some sort of action, that has nothing to do with the way that I feel about you as a person. And so trying to break down those three, uh, the, the other way to, that you can use that Freud example is if you were standing here in the middle, Ryan, and you have the devil on one shoulder, and the angel on the other shoulder, right? <laughs> Sometimes I just feel like I got two devils on my shoulders. <laughs> well, that, that's very telling because so, so the self, you here is, is the ego. And then the id is the devil on one shoulder. Yeah. You know, it, knee no, jerk reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Do this, do this. Yeah. Fulfill your needs. You need this right now. And, and then the angel is the superego that's trying to put everything else into check where it's like, whoa, wait, don't do that right now. Eating that Twinkie is bad for your long-term health. Mm. And, and so the, the superego is there to try to keep everything in check. And you, the ego, is, is the person who is trying to make sense out of, well, my impulse is to do this, but my intellect is telling me to do this. Right. And so you have to realize that every difficult conversation is about those three things. When you're having a conversation with your friends, especially the ones with different beliefs, they, they're going to feel judged. You feel judged, obviously, right? And so we have to work really hard to be to be that, that moderator of the id and the superego and say, okay, what makes sense? How, what does it say about how I feel? And what, is, what does what I feel say about my reaction to this conversation? And can I approach this in a rational way, mm. a more rational way, even even if I think the other person is being irrational? Yeah. 
that's the time to really employ rationality is if you feel like someone else is being irrational. And it's funny when you're ir- when someone's irrational, like the 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 reaction is to mirror that. Mm-hmm. Like if you came in and you were like, Ryan, you know, I was just reading this article and you know, I just think you're an idiot for believing in in climate change. Mm-hmm. Like that would like my knee jerk reaction would want to be, um, you're the idiot. Uh, right. Have you read more than a paragraph or a headline? Right. Uh, the and I could just you know I could rattle off some facts on like why you know like but so I would want to put you down back. Uh-huh. But when I get in those situations though, the because I have done I feel like I've done such a good job of going out of my way to be kind, going out of my way to apply you know the old golden rule man treat people how you want to be treated. So if you came in here and did that, which you would never would do. I would just think to myself, okay. I'm closing the article on my computer right now. <laughs> I would be like, okay. Uh, Josh is obviously upset about something and feels very strongly about something. I did not like how he just talked to me. Mm. I'm not going to reciprocate with this because I don't want this to escalate any further than what it is now. I really would like to have an intellectual conversation. So yeah, I will, I will try my hardest to not mirror uh, when people come at me with um you know a thousand word email going off on why i'm wrong on that or you know whatever it may be it's like i will i will not mirror that type of that type of actions instead you what you're trying to do is you're trying to model instead of mirror right yeah yeah like i i yeah exactly and i I, mo- out, I guess what I, let me better explain it. you're trying to model the behavior you'd like to see in the other person or you'd like to see in your best yes. self your most ideal self like i try to keep my intentions in check mm. Like yes. I'm constantly looking at like, okay, what am I intending to do here? Because if I responded back to you and be like, no, you're the idiot. Uh-huh. What's my intention there? It's right. not to persuade you. No, it's to tear me down. It's to tear you down just like you were trying to tear me down. Right. So I'm constantly trying to keep those intentions in check, constantly trying to think like, okay, how would I want to be treated? Uh, I, I'm genuine. And I think the biggest thing, man, between you and I and why like we can have such radically different beliefs is we don't hold account. Yeah. I mean, I know that we have gotten in some heated arguments before. Sure. I mean, heated for us is not that heated, um, especially what I grew up with, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, uh, and what you grew up with, but, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, I can't remember the last time we had an argument. Yeah. Cause I mean, I just, I don't sit there and hold account. And I think that's why this friendship works so well. We can have disagreements without arguing. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's, that's important, right? I think you bring up a really good point there about, uh, about you know, trying to to model the the person that would handle this situation the best. Like, h- how would I want how would I want this person I'm trying to interact with this friend? Mm-hmm. If I if we have a different belief, if we have a different viewpoint on something, h- how how would I want them to respond to me right now? And usually, it's going it's still going to have that that conversation. It's still going to have all three elements, right? It's going to have the it, it's going to make you feel emotional. You, we're not robots. You're going to feel some sort of emotion. But you can't question their intentions. Like, like you just, you, you said a moment ago, like, the question is, what is my intention? The only person's questions that you can intention, or you, you, you only question, intentions you can question are your own, yeah. right? And, and so by, by questioning, what is my intention here? It's not to piss this other person off. I don't want to make you upset or, or I, I love you. I care about you. Why would I want to make you angry? That's the last thing I want to do, even if they're making me angry. Yeah. And I'll take some, a more mature person to do that. But sometimes the, the, other, the other thing is sometimes you do have to walk away. If, yeah. if the other person is, tr- if you feel like they're trying to tear you down, you can't know what their actual intention is. Mm-hmm. And in the book that, that I mentioned there, uh, the Difficult Conversations book actually talks about that with, with respect to some of their intentions. 
someone else's intentions, A, might be different from what you think they are, or B, they might not have any intentions at all. They just might be in a bad mood right then, and they come off as being a jerk, but their intention isn't to be a jerk. They just had, you know, they, they, they didn't eat a meal this morning, and all of a sudden they're hungry, and they're hangry now, and, and, and they're lashing out. They may not have any real intentions, or maybe their intentions have nothing to do with what this conversation is. And so we can't question other person's intentions. We can only look inward and say, what is the outcome that I want to achieve here? Do I want to communicate or do I want to fight? And if I'm trying to fight with someone else, well then uh, that's not about a conversation at all, right? No, no. That, that, that's something completely different. It took me so long to get to this point though, man. Cause you remember me in the corporate world. Like I was just, you know, I was, lo- I was always cocked. I think that's the that's the word. Like I was just, yeah. you know, always ready to go off. Yes, and it worked like eighty percent of the time, right? Because I can move people emotionally with my emotions. Twenty mm-hmm. percent of the time, maybe it would still work, but it bite me in the ass like months later. Yeah, it would rub people the wrong way. Didn't yeah, and I didn't realize like the the relationships I was or, or the yeah that I was ruining or burning bridges with. Yeah, yeah, and and so if there is someone where you you genuinely feel threatened, not just physically threatened, which by the way is the the conversation broke down a long time ago when people start rioting or or whatever else. If there's violence or a threat of violence involved, there there, is no conversation. Yeah. And that's never the right response, no matter which side of the circle you're on. The only, the only time violence is an appropriate response is if it's for self-defense. And even then that, that you want that to be a last resort, obviously. Right. And, and so uh, what we want to do, though, if we're in one of those situations where we feel threatened emotionally or we feel like our truth is being threatened, if we feel that we, we're not able to have, like this conversation's broken down, it's not going to go anywhere, uh, you can set up boundaries with certain people, too. And I think that that's another thing to talk about. Like You can have a really close friend with two or three boundaries. And you're like, you know what? We just don't talk about religion or politics together. And we, we come to agreement where we were both different there. We have really similar values, but the path that we're taking, I don't like that path. We've tried to talk about that person's path. We've tried to talk about my path. It's not working out. Let's just put up these, these little boundaries right here because the rest of our relationship is awesome. And I think if you, if you do that correctly, and you, and you continue to reevaluate those boundaries. It doesn't mean forever. We're never going to talk about politics in perpetuity. No, it's a heated election season, and and maybe it means we need to cool off for three mm. months, six months, whatever. I mean, I think of this with, with my partner, with Bex. Uh, her and I have very similar uh, values and pretty similar beliefs and, and similar interests. We have, we have uh, similar preferences. I mean, we're really similar people. We're both INTJs. But uh, we voted for two different people in, in this last election, and that's you know, there are a whole there's a whole list of reasons for that. But what I see now when she sees the news, uh, she gets visually upset. Like, mm-hmm. and and so I will av- because my outcome isn't to make her upset. It's the opposite. I absolutely don't want her to be upset. The only time I want someone to be upset is if they're angry enough to truly do something about it. Mm. Now, she has been. She's actually made more phone calls and written more letters. It's crazy. The cycle. I, I've done that more this year, too. Yeah, Mariah as well. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. And, and so what, what I learned is that that with, with someone like, like, like Bex, if I won't bring up. Hey, did you hear about this? Right. Because I know that it's going to make her upset. But, but you know, it's stoking the fire. Like, But I also won't avoid the topic. If she wants to bring something up, 
what I will try to do is bring a calm and also bring levity to the situation sure. as well. And, 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 and can I make her laugh about something that will at least change her state? Of, if, 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 she's, if she's upset about something, I'll try to find a way to inject humor there to at least change her state a bit. It's not going to change the way that she's thinking about the thing, but it's going to dismantle that chaos that's, that's sort of going on yeah. inside her. And hopefully uh, it, it'll, it'll allow her to to embrace all three sides of that conversation and allow, allow me to as well because when something gets overly emotional I know that I because I'm very intellectual uh, with respect to conversations uh, when those other things come in into the identity and, and uh, especially the the feelings part of the conversation I t tend to tune those out but I need to embrace those as well if I want to be able to have that good conversation with you or with Bex or with any of the friends in my life um, before we move on, Ryan, we, we have an essay and I won't, I won't go into too much detail here, but in our book essential, there is a essay called understanding others. And we talk about sort of walking through these four different levels of understanding, starting out with tolerating a person. And I think that's important with anyone in your life. You got to start by tolerating them. Right. But that is such a weak virtue. If you just tolerate everyone around you, that is freaking misery. You're going to feel despair I think after a while. Yeah, tolerance is certainly important in As some a first step. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, if if that's the only level you get to, then Oof. yeah, that's going to be rough to be around people all the time that you only tolerate, right? And so the second level of that is uh, acceptance. You want to accept the person uh, for who they are, mm. warts and all. That's that, that, that's how you start really understanding them and their viewpoints. And the last two levels are respect and eventually appreciation. Those are much higher order levels. It's hard to respect someone else's beliefs, especially if they're so antithetical to yours. But if you have similar values, it's easier. And, and so you can say, well, they, they're just taking a different path. And so I can respect the fact that they're getting to where we need to get. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, being able to appreciate, I mean, th it takes some... some uh, uh, mixed mental arts, yeah. as Brian Callen would call it, <laughs> um, uh, mixed mental arts to, to really like say, okay, I can, I don't agree with you, but I can appreciate your point of view. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I was, you know, looking at Facebook a little bit yesterday. I typically don't scroll, but I think I was just like waiting for a message to come back or something anyway. But I, I saw just like a lot of people, you know, on Facebook declaring their love for their significant others. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is kind of silly. Like, like, why do you, why do people need to declare? I want everyone to see how I love you, which maybe, maybe there is something there. I don't know, but I look at it as kind of a silly thing. Like if it's Valentine's day. Why are you spending time away from your significant other? It feels obligatory. On Facebook? Yeah. Obligatory. Yeah. So, as like as kind of satirical i it was sweet but i was also kind of trying to be funny i like posted on facebook i'm like hey mariah i love you so much i'm gonna let everyone on facebook know <laughs> happy valentine's day and i just got like the <laughs> like most people were like oh it's so sweet ryan and you know like they kind of uh we're, we're we're taking it for like this very sweet gesture which again i was trying to be sweet don't uh -huh. get me wrong but, it, but was a, it was also social commentary. Right, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's like I, I was uh, repeating this story to someone mm -hmm. and I was explaining them specifically on the person who I was like, you know, they posted this and this is what really sprung the whole uh, idea to do this. They, I, I, they posted something to their significant other and I'm like, that person is doing it obligatory. They would never do this. Like I know that their significant other must have been like, 
making them feel guilty about something to put this on Facebook. <laughs> Prodding them. Yeah, but you know what? When I was sharing that point of view, someone said to me, they're like, yeah, isn't that really sweet that he went out of his way to do something he was uncomfortable with for his mm. significant other? Mm. And I was like, you know what? Yes. I love I love that spin on it. So That's the identity side of the conversation you're talking about. Yeah. You're saying this says something about me. Yeah, but I, but that her, yeah, exactly. Her, her um, point of view on that though, it to- I totally went from tolerating this person to accepting this person. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I'm just using that as an example of how when we are tolerating someone and we do want to move to that acceptance, we want to move to that respect level to eventually get to the appreciation level. Uh, that's, that's one example of how I was able to, to move that yesterday, just kind of looking through a different perspective and associating with other people who have different, uh, you know, maybe beliefs or different perspectives and, and yeah, bringing in different varieties of friends in my life. Yeah. And I think you learn through that whole process and, and hopefully fatigue here, what, what she can do with her close friends or even her acquaintances is you can learn something. You can learn something about yourself. You can learn something about them. You can learn something about communicating and you can learn about having some difficult conversations. Also, people are learning more about the government this year than they ever have. They're oh figuring out how goodness. bills are passed. They're, yes. they're learning about, you know, the, the, the house and the, in the Senate and, uh, they're learning who their congressman is. I mean, they're they're figuring out things that they wouldn't have otherwise been compelled to figure out before. And no matter which side of the aisle you're on, if you can become more in, in, informed or if you straddle the aisles, you can still be becoming more informed is not going to be a bad thing. And so hopefully this will be a catalyst for more information and then ultimately to more understanding. I, I hope you enjoy that essay. It's called Understanding Others. We'll send you a copy of our book. It's called Essential. It's an essay collection, 150 different essays. There's uh, 12 different chapters in there on 12 different, uh, the 12 different ways of living a more intentional life. And one of those ways is has to do with, with relationships. And so we have a bunch of essays in there about relationships, friendships, acquaintances, etc. Ryan, anything else before we move on to our, our next question? No, man. Let's, uh, let's hear from Kara from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. My question is about something that was mentioned briefly in your documentary, which is about relationships. Um, I think minimizing objects is easier than minimizing people. And if there are people in your life that are creating chaos, my question is, how do you minimize that? You can't cut them out, right? So you have to do something with them. Or maybe cutting them out is the answer. I'm not sure. But it was just something that I thought might be a question to ask because it's not just stuff that brings chaos to our lives. It's also people. Josh, you know, it's funny. Um, I can recall a couple times where I was bringing chaos into your life. And uh, you've you had some talks with me hmm. about about chaos. One example is uh i can't remember like which day it was but um it was a couple podcasts recording ago and i was watching the news or i was all upset about something i forget what it was yeah and you were just like hey look man uh i'm not feeling awesome today uh i'm trying to really stay positive Mm -hmm. and what you're bringing right now is it's really negative and i'm just really i would really appreciate it if you didn't do that and uh, yeah, like I totally was like, you know what? Like, I am not going to let this negativity ruin Josh's day. Uh, I'm especially not going to force this conversation upon him if he, <laughs> if he doesn't want to have it. Yeah. Um, so I totally respected that. 
Yeah. And I stopped complaining. And I'll tell you, I actually felt better. Like after we recorded that podcast and some time had kind of passed over, I felt a lot better. Um, maybe I forget what the exact subject was, but I'm saying maybe, you know, I went home and talked to Mariah about it if I really needed to like continue to talk to someone about it. Um, but I guess my point is, is that uh, for, for Kara, she can absolutely go to her friends and say, hey, I'm trying to be more positive in my life. I'm trying yeah. to have less drama and less chaos in my life. And I really love you. But there is this area of your life that is constantly affecting how I feel uh, and how I feel about our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who always complained about money. Yeah. And man, that's so common. Yeah. They, it was just always complaining about money. But then, you know, they would go out and spend, uh, you know, $400 on something that literally I saw sit uh, in, in their closet or I knew was sitting in their closet for weeks and weeks without being used. Yeah. But then they would come to me and complain about like, oh man, I can't, you know, I can't afford this hundred dollar vacuum. And mm-hmm. there was a certain point where I went to that person and I'm like, and this was a long time ago. This is like over 10 years ago uh-huh. uh, with this, with this friend. And I went to them and I'm like, Hey, look, man, like I know that you feel like you have money problems, but you're really making bad decisions with your money. And it's frustrating for me to sit here and hear you complain about money when I see you making such horrible decisions. Please do not talk to me anymore about money. Mm. And we're still friends today. Goes back to those boundaries, right? Absolutely. Putting up certain boundaries there. And it, it's it's funny, you you mentioned the, the be, just being positive. And, and I, I believe that our language ultimately determines what we focus on. And then what we focus on determines how we feel, mm. right? And, and so... Uh, Quite often, people ask me, how are you doing? Like, you know, my, my standard answer is I'm outstanding. And because if you incant that enough, you really start to feel outstanding. Yeah. And in fact, at the grocery store, someone asked me recently, like, well, okay, you, you, say, you, you say outstanding all the time. Do you ever have a bad day? I'm like, yeah, I, I have bad days, but, but I'm not going to let you know. I'm going to be honest with you. If someone says, how are you doing? I'll say I have no complaints. Mm. If, if I, because I don't, I don't have any complaints. I'm not going to complain to you. What am I going to do? Try and bring you down. Uh, I think it was George Carlin who said this. He said, I, I could be getting the person wrong, but whenever someone asks you how you're doing, always tell them you're doing great because it pisses your enemies off and it makes your friends happy. <laughs> and, I like that. And, uh, it's, it's true, man. Like it, it's infectious, right? Sure that wasn't Gandhi. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Yeah, so um, it is true though. Like the language we use helps determine what we what we focus on. If I and and so if I am having a bad day and someone says, "How are you doing?" I'm not going to lie to them. I'll just say I have no complaints because I am not going to complain to you today. Uh, And the reason I'm not going to is I don't want to bring you down as a friend. And if I have other people around me who are constantly complaining. I will, I will just ask them, hey, would you would you mind avoiding complaining mm-hmm. while you're around me? Now, well, I'll have to do, that's part of the difficult conversation thing. And the way that I'll say it is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a rough day myself or, you know, I'm, I'm also struggling with, with uh, trying to not complain. And I've done this before where you will spend a week of, and I put like a rubber band on my wrist. Every time I complain, I'll snap that rubber band. Mm. And you, it's amazing how painful your wrist feels at the end of the day one because you're like, Man, every time I complain or have a complaining sort of thought, like, oh, this sucks, it 
it does affect my mood, even if just for a moment. But if you have enough drops of water, eventually this bucket fills up, this bucket of discontent. And I, I don't want that around me. And so I will ask others to, to not drop more, more drops into that, that bucket because I don't want to feel their discontent. And the same goes true. I don't want my friends to feel discontent. That's a, a horrible person who wants their, their, the people they, they care about to feel crappy. And so I found that for me, when, when I'm setting up those boundaries, those are very temporary boundaries. I don't want my friends to feel bad. I don't want to feel bad. And so I, in order to let go of that discontent, I have to let go of the, the negative emotions. And I have to not just let go of them, but I have to replace them with something positive. It's the reason I say I'm outstanding so much all the time. If you say that enough, it becomes true. It's an incantation. Incantations are everything, man. With, they absolutely with work. how we feel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but to get back to, to sort of Kara's question here, and she says it's easier to minimize things than it is to, uh, uh, to minimize people. Uh, or, or the other thing she said is you, you can't cut them out. Can you? Well, yeah, you can. If you, that shouldn't be your first result. As soon as someone makes you angry or frustrated or upset, you can say, you can't say, well, I'm done with you. Throw your hands up. You're not going to have any, any meaningful relationships if you do that. But if ultimately you go down a path long enough and you have some difficult conversations and you feel like, I'm just trying to change this person or they're trying to change me. Well, then, of course, my favorite line is you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. And that means I I think quite often what we do is we get into a relationship that's less than ideal, a friendship, an intimate relationship, whatever. We say, well, I will just I will I will manipulate this person. We don't use this language, but we should. I'll manipulate this person enough that uh, their beliefs are now the same as mine. Well, that never works. When, no. when has that ever worked? At least it doesn't work long term. It can work short term. You'll, you'll have someone placate you for a while because they, they want something out of the relationship, but it's not going to make the bond stronger. They're going to feel used. They're going to feel manipulated. And if I make you feel used, I make you feel manipulated, how are you going to feel about our relationship? Mm, yeah, no it's doubt. It's going to be awful. And so, yeah. and, and so I, I've realized that I'm not going to try to change the people in my life. They're going to have their own beliefs. The best thing I can do is, is not mandate to them, but model what I consider to be my most ideal life Mm -hmm. for myself and and model what my values are for other people in hopes that if they want to change, then they can change based on, well, now I have this model. I have this recipe. I can follow that. I mean, it's, it's hilarious now to see Ryan, like all the people who reach out to us from high school or <laughs> from the corporate world. Yeah. I mean, high school was half a lifetime ago for us. Why does it still feel like yesterday to me? I, <laughs> I don't even know. It's it more than half a lifetime yeah. ago at this point. Uh, but but what? We have people now who are reaching out to us who would have not given us the time of day in high school. Yeah, and, that is true. And it's because we haven't mandated and say, hey, you need to do this. Here are the 17 things everyone needs to do to live better. Mm. You should be a better person. No, 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 no. Here's how I can be a better person personally. And, and if you can find some value in that, which a lot of people have, then they can model that and, and make it work for their life, for their own personality, for their own interests, their own desires, their own preferences, uh, using uh, two different recipes or other people's recipes. Yeah. I think uh, I'm, I'm leaving one thing out that I, I think is applicable to Teague's and Kara's um, question. Whenever you're having these difficult conversations, I know at least for me, I always use the word I when I'm saying something negative mm. or when I'm disagreeing with someone. 
um, I will I will say like if we're having the uh, climate change debate, I would say, you know, Josh, I uh, I I feel like I have read you know a lot of things on this. I've studied a lot of um, you know reports and so forth and so on, and I know that you obviously care about this this uh, topic. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just using an example here. So uh, when I use the word you, it's in a positive light or yeah. it's in, or in, at least in neutral. Yeah, a, a, a neutral point. But anytime I say anything negative, I always put it on myself. Yeah. Because really at the end of the day, it, it is on me. Like my feelings and my beliefs, it is on me. It's not on you. Right. So uh, again, for Teague and Kara, when you're having these difficult conversations, don't don't use the word you when you're conveying something negative because then you're putting blame on that person and that makes people defensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, just one tip that I've learned that really helps me to have those tough conversations. And and sometimes you'll get to a point where there are some people you have to cut out of your life. Of course. I think, I think of uh, our mentor, Carl, who's on your mentoring team now but he said this to me a long time ago in my early 20s he said victims become victimizers Mm. and that really really stuck with so if you always have the person who's always down they're always playing the victim card maybe they are a victim sometimes we're all victims of something sometimes right but maybe they're 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 unnecessarily being the victim constantly victims become victimizers and they turn you into a victim as well. And so you want to be you want to be really careful about the people you surround yourself with because there are 7 billion people in the world. You can find people who have have those those similar values to you. I'm also I'm also reminded of uh, there's a, a book by uh, Susan Winter. Uh, she wrote a book called Breakup Triage and it's more about intimate relationships, but I think I think it's perfectly acceptable to break up with with our friendships as well in fact necessary sometimes now there are extreme examples our friend aj leon he did a great podcast recently with uh, uh, dr christopher ryan it's called tangentially speaking i recommended it on a previous episode but he talked about in there so he had this break from the corporate world he had this epiphany moment where he got this huge promotion and he just walked away from everything because he knew if he didn't walk away at that moment he would be looking back you know 40 years from now saying, why did I do this with my life? Why did I stay stuck in this office building and doing something that I didn't love? And he walked away and he literally cut out everyone that wasn't his, his immediate family. Wow. He has not talked to anyone since that he talked to before age 28 since age 28. Wow. Now that is an extreme version. Yeah. And, and he gives he gives a very detailed you can go go and listen to that podcast. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. But uh you can listen to that and you you can say, "Okay, he did the right thing for him." That's not going to be the right thing for everyone, but there's a spectrum. Cuz the other side of that is, "Well, I'll just keep all the victimizers in my life." <laughs> or you can cut everyone else out. I'm actually much closer to AJ's side of the fence. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you and I have known each other for 25 years. And so it's not like I've cut everyone out of my life. But I have, for the most part, walked away from a lot of those relationships. But I've also given people the opportunity to catch up with me. And, yeah. and I've walked in this direction. If you want to catch up, that's totally on you. I will continue to model a life that I think is ideal for me. And so uh, Susan Winters talks about breaking up with people. So let's just say your friendships here. Uh, two, two questions here. What is keeping you hooked to that relationship? Oftentimes, it's insecurity. It's mm-hmm. the fear of missing out. I'm going to miss out on something if I don't have this person in my life. Or, right. or I'm not going to be able to find other friends that, that really know me like this. It's or just, if you're like me, you're afraid to hurt people's feelings. Mm, yeah, yeah. 
And I, I think that that's keeping you hooked. And that, ha- that kept me hooked in my 20s a lot with, uh, with relationships. Where, uh, and, and even my, my marriage, uh, it, it lasted way, way too long because I was afraid to hurt Carrie's feelings because we had different goals. She wanted kids. I didn't want kids. And there's no way to, to get around that. Either she's going to resent not having kids or I'm going to resent you know, having to be forced into that situation, right? Um, or we'll s- just sit there stewing, hoping one person changes their mind before the biological continue cl- clock expires, basically. And and so, yeah, what what is keeping you hooked in that relationship? And and then the the second question to ask is, can you imagine what your life would be without that person? And, and this is what what uh, Susan Winter does really well in in that book. But she she helps you visualize like how much better your life can be without that person that that's bringing you down. And I, I find those are two very valuable exercises, but you might also find the flip side of that is true. Well, what's keeping me hooked to this relationship are all the great things that are going on. Great. How can you keep those? But how are there, are, is there a way to change what's going on with the relationship? Or maybe your life without that person wouldn't look as ideal to you. It's really up to you. But, but quite often, if someone is, is really holding you back, if it's a, a, a negative, vitriolic relationship, your life is going to be so much better without that person in your life or at least you're with yourself distanced from that person mm. to a great extent. Where It's not where you, you've cut them out 100%, but you've cut them out 99%. Yeah. And, and, and you're willing to walk away. I, I think, that to me, the truest form of commitment is the willingness to walk away mm. because that means I'm constantly reevaluating. Bex and I do this all the time. We're constantly reevaluating uh, the relationship. Mm-hmm. Is it still ideal for us? Do we have similar objectives? Do we have similar preferences? Are our values still the same? And if not, we're willing to walk away from that. But because we're not walking away, it means we're all the way in. We're fully committed yeah. to that relationship. Uh, one last thing that I think to mention here to, to Kara, Ryan, is in our book, uh, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, uh, we talk about three ways to create better relationships, and, and we talk about the three different types of relationships. And I'm I'm not going to go th- through reading that whole thing, but so so basically in that book we identify what the five higher order values are uh, uh, to live a more meaningful life, and one of those is developing in new empowering relationships in our lives, and and there are basically three ways to create better relationships. One is find great new relationships. And we often, for some reason, don't think about that. Like we think we have this uh, fixed, static group of people as if we're going to be around the same people in perpetuity. Or many of our relationships are birthed out of convenience or proximity. Like, well, we're neighbors or we, we work uh, seven cubicles over from each other. So, yeah, we're, we're friends. That was one of the problems in my life is I was spending 90 plus percent of my time with people in this third tier of relationships. Mm. So you have your primary relationships, the, the, the five most important people in your life, probably for uh, some people it could be as many as 10 people. But usually you can count it on one hand for me as an extreme introvert, you, you'll have digits left. Um, but you have these primary relationships in your life. Uh, people you talk to very frequently, people you really care about, people you go way out of your way for, you'll even suffer for on a temporary basis because you care about those people so much, and you'll go way out of your way to contribute to their lives as well. You have those primary relationships, then you have secondary relationships, and I think this is where you and I differ the most, because you and I both have this handful of primary relationships in our life, in our lives, and 
and they're different people, mm-hmm. b- but uh, you and I are, are definitely both in that tier. And then we both have secondary tiers, the, the secondary relationships, your distant family, closer friends that aren't your primary relationships, people that you really care about, you'll go way out of your way for, but they're just not in the primary tier. You have a lot more secondary uh, relationships. Yeah. And then I have... And, and it's still th- very meaningful, by the way, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think I think all three layers should be meaningful. The, the question is, how do we prioritize them? And so the yeah. third layer is that, that sort of tertiary la- uh, layer, the people on the periphery. It could be coworkers, acquaintances, bosses, different people that you spend time with. And, and uh, you may not always, even always have the same values as, as those people. Uh, but in many cases, I think it's it's important to have uh, similar values. But the, the people who are in those tiers... I misprioritized throughout my 20s. I was spending 90% of my time with the people in that outer tier, networking buddies, executives, people like that, who were fine people most of the time, but it meant that I didn't have any time left for the people in my primary relationships or my secondary relationships. And if you don't water a plant, it dies. If you don't feed a relationship what it needs, then it dies as well. And so we have to be really careful about how, how, do, how are we spending our time? And we're going to have to say no more to those people in the, those tiers. So in, in the book, uh, we, we sort of talk about um, evaluating your current relationships and, and, and making this list where you, you'll, you'll, it's a three column list. You set, you take a person's name and their signifier as a second column. And then the effect they have on your life is the third column. So that first column, you might have a hundred friends and you don't know where they fit. Really. You'd make a list of all your friends and then check it with someone else so that you make sure you don't leave anyone out. All your friends, people who you associate with regularly, the, the Dunbar rule or Dunbar's law is 150 uh, people that you're able to keep track of in your life. Uh, it's an old like anthropology sort of right. uh, measurement of, of tribes, but you're able to you're able to figure out like okay here are the 150 people I have in my life whatever that number may be it's going to be more for someone like you than it is for someone like me, but then you want to identify like okay what's their name obviously that's the first column the second column is are they right now are they a primary relationship are they a secondary relationship or are they this periphery relationship? And it's up to you to decide uh, where, where do they go. But then you can also realize like some of the people in that periphery, they'd be much better in the secondary tier and vice versa. I need to reprioritize these, these relationships. So the book goes through that exercise. And then you also want to talk about what's the effect. On the, that's the third column. Is this a positive relationship in my life? Is this a negative relationship or is it a neutral relationship? And what I found is that many of the people closest to me, I had a negative relationship with that person, mm. oftentimes because I was the negative influence. Like I was forsaking it. I wasn't doing my part. I wasn't contributing as much as I could or I was, I was taking too much from the relationship or whatever it may be. And can I change that? Or does that mean because it's a negative relationship, do I need to reprioritize it and move them out of that first or second tier, move them into per, to the periphery? And, and so I can try to change any of those things. I, I can't change their name, obviously. I guess I could give you a nickname or something. Um, but uh, but uh, you, change, you can either change where they are on your list. You can't change the person, obviously. That means you can't change their name. You can't change the person, metaphorically. Uh, but, but you also... You, you can't you, you can change where they where they fall on your pri- priority list are they a primary relationship or are they somewhere else are they a negative relationship if so why 
And does that make you want to change your, your priority? Or can you do something to better improve that, that relationship as well? Mm. And then the, the two other ways to create better relationships are you know, transform those current ones, which I was just talking about. But the third one is change who you are. Yeah, that's another one we don't we don't think about. So quite often we get so stuck on, well, I'm going to try to change the people in 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 my life. No, you can transform the relationship. You can't change them. Yeah, and the only person you can truly change is yourself anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. You 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 can provide a recipe for other people to inspire them, but you can't change them. And so yes, you you can change who you are, and that will that will almost certainly improve the relationships you have. Whether it's bringing new people into your life because you're attracting people with similar values or you're, you're, you're pulling people along with you on, on this, this new journey that you have. And so, uh, Sean, if you could send Kara a copy of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, either the audiobook version or the book book version, I would appreciate that. Anything else before we move on to the next question, Ryan? No, man. Let's talk to Rebecca in Columbus, Ohio. I'm going through... Uh, a breakup right now and it sounds like you guys have had those experiences in your life how have you used those kind of as a catalyst maybe to uh, create more meaning or value in your life or if that means getting rid of things or moving to a new place or just kind of starting over um, I'm really looking for ways to fill my time now because my time is my own and maybe if you have any relationship advice for people who um, want to connect with other people who are, you know, uh, minimalists or at least uh, would be open to that idea. Congratulations on your breakup, Rebecca. On your graduation. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that. That that's a good way to to frame it here. Um, and I, the reason I say congratulations, by the way, is uh, you're you're realizing that it's time to move on. You're starting over. You use that word, which I really like because. This is an opportunity for you to start over. Many mm -hmm. of us, we stay stuck in that rear view mirror and we're just constantly looking at the rear view mirror. But of course, we, we crash when that happens. And so you are starting over and you're looking for, for ways to fill your time with, uh, with experiences and people who have similar interests, similar uh, values, either like-minded or open-minded. I, I try to make a distinction there. You don't want to just surround yourself with everyone who's like-minded. That becomes boring. You want many people who are like-minded, but also open-minded people, and you want to be open-minded going to it as well. Uh, one place you can go is minimalist.org. We have 100 free local meetup groups in 100 different cities in eight different countries. Uh, there is one in Columbus. They, they tend to meet once a month, sometimes more frequently, but they also post stuff and share different stories online. There's a, a group that meets there online as well. But uh, even if we don't have a meetup group in your city, uh, if you're somewhere else outside of Columbus or our 99 other cities, we have an online city for people to connect and support each other uh, local or, or I guess not locally, internetally. <laughs> <laughs> Patent pending on that word. Yeah. No, uh, and, and so um, we have an online city there at, at minimalist.org. But there are other, I mean, you can use the Internet. You don't just have to be uh, at minimalist.org. There's, there's other groups as well. <laughs> you can use the Internet if you want to, <laughs> to look up other things. I encourage you to look up things on the Internet. <laughs> Meetup That's my answer. Yeah, for people out there who have not heard of meetup.com, it is a really cool website where you can find all groups, all, all different types of groups of people who are into anything from, you know, hiking to knitting to yoga to... 
uh, having prayer circles, like whatever you're into. Yeah. Uh, if you live in a, a, a big city, you definitely have hundreds of groups to choose from. If you live in a smaller city, I'm willing to bet you still have at least dozens of groups to choose from. Yeah. Another website is Eventbrite. We've done some oh, events yeah. through Eventbrite and they recommend just different events that you can go to. Those and these are all free websites too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, if you, some of them you'll have to pay for if you're doing like, I think meetup.com if you're, if you're if scheduling you're ho- a bunch you're of hosting, meetups. Yeah. If yeah. you're hosting meetups. Yeah. But, but for the most part, you can go, go to a lot of these free or inexpensive places online that will allow you to connect with open-minded or, or like-minded people. But you, you mentioned something there. You said happy graduation to her, Ryan. I, mean, I, I love that because I love to, to think of when I'm removing myself from a, a friendship, a relationship, a business, whatever it may be, uh, a city, mm-hmm. uh, another great example, is you're, you're either graduating or you are getting a divorce. This is uh, a sentiment from our friend Rob Bell. And he, he talks about you know, when, when you're moving on from something, it doesn't always have to be this terrible, screaming, fighting match it just could mean that you've grown in different directions. This actually happened with my uh, my marriage ended, and it didn't end, I mean, I guess it ended in a traditional divorce, but it didn't feel like a traditional divorce. You right. know what I'm saying? It felt much more like a graduation. Like we graduated from from those 10 years together or eight years together, and, and we moved on in different directions. I mean, we were, we were talking yesterday, uh, and... Uh, it's like we're really good we're better friends now because because now we don't have to have this this tension between us right uh and so or this this negative tension i should say there's a such thing as as positive tension but um it allows it allowed us to graduate from the situation we're in move on to the next thing you're not going to stay in high school for seven years you're going to graduate from i mean honestly i don't know anyone who stayed in high school for seven years, they're going to get kicked out. They're going to get divorced from high school if they can't graduate in four or five years, right? I mean, that, that's just the way that, that things work. And I found, I, f- I found that was also true when we left Dayton, Ohio. I love Dayton, Ohio. It's, if it's not my favorite city, it's in my top two or three. And, uh, but I also felt like, okay, I spent the first 31 years of my life in the Dayton, Cincinnati area, and it was time for me to graduate from this. It doesn't mean I can't go back. I may return as as a professor one day, um, you know, meaning you graduate from from college, you may return to that college being <laughs> being a, a professor yeah. there. So you, you may return, but you return in a different capacity and it's time to go out and sort of explore the world. And, you know, I feel the same way now about Missoula, like I'm ready to to graduate from from this city personally. And, and, and that's where I am. I'm ready to graduate as opposed to uh, if I were to stay here three or four more years, I'm going to feel a sense of like, okay, now I'm trapped here. And, and then it becomes like when you start to feel trapped, that's when you get a divorce, mm. right? That's when you have to like, I ha- you feel that, that fight or flight response, that's divorce. Mm. But, but if, you, if you can say, wow, this has been great. I can appreciate this for what it was, but nothing lasts forever. On a long enough timeline, everything becomes obsolete Mm. our objects become obsolete uh, our relationships become obsolete because eventually one of us dies right on on a long enough timeline but sometimes you don't have to die in order for the relationship to die Mm. most most marriages end way before they end Mm. and we are just not willing to recognize it but when we can recognize it we can move on from that. We can graduate from from that experience, and I think that's what that's probably what Rebecca's doing right now is is she's realizing that 
whether it was a divorce or it was a, a, a graduation, she's realizing like, okay, I can pull forward some of the things that I learned from this relationship. And I, I, the good and the bad, right? Mm -hmm. You've had breakups that, and I've had breakups that, that were, were bad breakups, but I learned something from, from that, that marriage or from that relationship with the other person. I, I learned that, wow, I, here's what I was doing wrong. And usually th those are the things I can change most quickly. Like, and then I can also say, here's the other things that went wrong. I didn't identify the right partner or the right friend, the right business partner, whatever it may be. I didn't, when we used to hire in the corporate world, part of the problem was I hired the wrong person. Right. And I think that's what we're doing. I, that, so for some people that might sound cold or callous, I'm, but you want to look at it that way. You are interviewing someone to be your, your significant other. That is so, it's one of the most important decisions you'll make in your life. If you want to have a, a partner in your life or yeah. a husband or wife, you got to interview that person and, and say, okay, are they, are they com compatible with what I want? And can I be compatible with what, what they want as well? Yeah. And, and, because here's the other thing we do when we, we start finding new, new, um, partners we we put on this veneer for a little while i'm going to hold your chair out and i'm going to open your door for you for a week or a month or whatever right no but i do as soon as i get comfortable then i'm gonna stop right yeah no, and i go way out of my way to i still i mean bex and i've been together for years now and Every time I still open her car door for her. Yeah. And, and she appreciates that. Every and time I open the car door for Mariah. Well, not every time, but s most times when like a guy sees me doing it, uh -huh. like he, I could see him like rolling his eyes. Like, really? Look at this guy opening the car door. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, oh, she likes it. That's so I do it. I don't care what you think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've never experienced that, but I, I, I did have one gentleman. He was like, you don't see that anymore, man. Good for you. But like most people, it's I've had, like, I've had a lot of women say that yeah. to me. Um, but it's, it's genuine. I mean, it can be pouring rain and I will still open the car. The only time I won't is if it's crazy icy out just cause I fall way too much. Right. Um, and then I, you know, I luckily Shit. Bex has been doing a lot of pull-ups lately. So she, <laughs> she, she can able to get her own, she can own open car doors door now. open. It's amazing. <laughs> No, I mean, obviously, it's not the, the reason I do it. I do it no. to, to, to be kind and show her that, I, that it's, a, it's of a, course. a repeated gesture. But, but I, going out of your way to do the things that you've always been doing and, yeah, being consistent. Yeah, and, and like, I'll still send the same loving emails. I get cards for her all the time still. I, I won't do it on a holiday, but I'll do it on any day that isn't a holiday just randomly and say, here you go. Just sent, giving this to you to show you that I care about you, or I'll write something dirty in there, and uh, you know whatever it, it to make it fun, funny, interesting, exciting. Uh, I'll go out of my way, but uh, in doing so, I know that I'm being the best version of myself for that relationship. Is completely imperfect as I am mm -hmm. and as quirky as I am for that relationship. I will, I will do my best to set expectations, but that is based on what I learned in the past. Where have I failed before? What are, what are the, the, the lessons from, from my past failures so I can bring that forward? So when my, when my marriage failed, a lot of that had to do with me and also had to do with compatibility. It also had to do with growing in a different direction, mm. but, but, when I learned that, I was able to pull that into the next relationship that I had and then the next relationship and eventually become a better version of myself until I found someone who I was like, yes, this is my ideal partner. I want to also be her ideal partner and, and we have been able to, but we're going to still continue to reevaluate that because there could be a point in the future and we're 
totally open with each other about this, that we're no longer each other's ideal partners. Mm-hmm. And we have to be open to that. Otherwise, we're just lying to ourselves. Mm. Because that, that's the real commitment. Constant reevaluation. You know, me buying a diamond and signing a contract with you is not how I commit. In fact, quite often that gives people permission to slack off. Well, I've we've already bought the diamond. We've been on the honeymoon. You know, Bex and I go on honeymoons all the time. We're not married, but we'll go out on these little four-day excursions wherever, mm-hmm. or we'll take a trip to Los Angeles. Or we'll take a trip to. Just wherever, because she has four days and and we can spend some time together. Let's do that, not out of, not out of obligation, but out of appreciation. Absolutely. And so uh, l- let's talk about some stuff for this Rebecca in Columbus. She um, she talks about moving forward. Uh, some things that I would like for you to keep in mind here, uh, Rebecca, is there's a difference between self-interest and selfish and i think we get those confused self-interest doesn't equal selfish Mm. when we 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 actually want to behave in a manner that serves our own self-interest that is important uh not to be only self-interested but it's the thing with the the oxygen mask right you you want to put on your oxygen mask before you help other people so you can breathe the selfish person is going to take the person's oxygen mask who's next to them they're 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 operating in their own self-interest at the detriment of others that is being selfish now the the ultimate sort of self-interested person would be a monk that's on a mountaintop right it's the reason that you know the buddha eventually came down mm. from from the endless meditation is because he realized that you know that, that's not selfish it's not hurting anyone else no. but he also realized that you know what there the most meaningful things in life involve interactions with other people as well and so yes we're going to have to sometimes uh compromise with our with our friends with our significant others but we do not want to at least long term sacrifice what we need to make other people happy. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to lead to discontent. That's going to lead to despair. You're not going to feel good if you're constantly sacrificing for others. But the opposite is also true. I found that sometimes, especially short term, Ryan, we have to give up what we want to get what we need. Hmm. What do you mean? Well, I think that so... I mean, I understand that with like... Uh, if someone is trying to pay off debt, maybe they're going to get a, a second job to pay off debt faster. Right. So they're going to give up some time uh, with, with their family, time to themselves temporarily to pay off the debt. But what does that mean in a, in a relationship? Well, I mean, that, that could be one thing. It could, I mean, because relationships, what do people fight about most? It's either money or sex, right? right. And so, so we, we, need to be a, we need to be communicative with, with respect to those things. We, we need to be willing to talk about sex very openly, and we need to be willing to talk about money very openly, especially, uh, well, on both sides of the spectrum, when we're broke, and you can go back and listen to our last episode about finances, yeah, we're all broke at some point. You mean our episode on how to become a millionaire. <laughs> a minimalist millionaire. <laughs> um, now, and, and so you want to be transparent if you're broke or if you start making money and you're like, and then it complicates things. Money, yeah, it's more money, more problems, right? It does complicate things, but also if, if you have good habits in place, it allows you to to be more generous. If, if you start making more money, you get that promotion at work or you get some bonus check or whatever. It allows you to be more responsible with that resource if, if you do get it, if you're being intentional. But also uh, there are other things that, 
what are, what are your objectives? What are your desires? You know, for me, like I said uh, a moment ago, like living in Missoula is no longer a desire for me, but right mm. now Bex, uh, so it's not what I want, basically. It's not what I want, but I, I do feel like this relationship is something that is important to me. It's something that I need in my life right now. And so uh, right now I'm not able to live somewhere outside of Missoula. I mean, you and I spend a decent amount of time in Florida. We have a coffee shop down there, but Bex lives in, in Missoula, right? Mm. And it's because uh, she has a three-year-old and, and her ex-husband lives in, in Missoula as well. And so right now, at least for the time being, we I have to give up what I want, at least short term, yeah. in order to get what I need. Because the alternative hmm. w- would be to, to not get what I need so I could get what I want. Now, long term, that that's not going to work and it wouldn't work. And so what do we have to do? Her and I have to continue to have constant conversations about about what we both want and make sure our our interests are aligned moving forward because if they're not then how can we realign our interests you know, if you if you are getting your car fixed uh, tuned up whatever serviced more than you're servicing your own relationship then 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 that's kind of backwards right mm-hmm. if you're not because going to get the oil change and everything checked out takes an hour or two hours Doing that regularly with with your most intimate relationship is far more important than doing it with your car, having those alignments. And so her and I, we sit down and we have a difficult conversation at least once a month, but in a way that... You put Bex up on the alignment rack. (laughs) That's that's something different. Oh. Uh, There's something else, though, that I'll encourage you to do, uh, Rebecca, in Columbus is setting proper expectations. If you're an extrovert or an introvert, so with me, early on, I, I, I realized that I didn't set expectations. I was spending 100% of my time around other people in the corporate world, and then I'd come home and I'd be like, and, you know, Carrie was an extrovert, and she'd just be like, hey, how was the day? Like, I'm like, holy crap, can you just give me 20 minutes to decompress? But I didn't handle that very well, right? Mm. And the reason I didn't handle it well is I didn't set up very good expectations. And so if you need a lot of alone time, you want to set that expectation up front. You want to kill Godzilla when it's a baby, not when it's taking over the city. Mm. And in order to do that, you, you want to talk about you're being self-interested versus being selfish. You need to talk about how much alone time do you need and when do you need it and why do you need it? Yeah. I think I think that's going to be really important for you. And also realize that alone time doesn't equal lonely, especially for people who are introverted like me. It means that it allows me to recharge and be a better version of myself that other 20% of the time when I'm hanging out with people, I can be the best version of me, which improves my relationship overall. We also talked about this a moment ago, but keep in mind proximity. The people who are around you aren't necessarily the people who share your same values. And now you can go use that thing called the internet and find people with those, those similar values. And the other thing that I found has helped me out a lot in, in my relationships, friendships and, and otherwise, even uh, distant acquaintances, is showing gratitude. Yes. As, as quickly as possible. Like mm, yeah. With Bex, if she makes the bed in the morning because she was the last one to get up, I will thank her as soon as she makes the bed. And, and say, hey, I'll just like stop her. I'll pause, put my hand on her shoulder and say, hey, thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. Showing that gratitude right away. Don't wait four days. Say, hey, last Tuesday, you did a really good job with making the bed. Thanks. Right. Uh, or, hey, you know that meal you cooked back in uh, November? It was so good. No, I'm going to tell you right now, this is awesome. This is so good. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. I want you to know I'm grateful. I'll send her texts all the time. Says, hey, 
I'm grateful for you. That's it. Mm -hmm. And, and showing that gratitude shows someone that you care, that you're engaged and that you want to be in, in that relationship. And I think that's important. Absolutely. You know, I, I think about the last toxic relationship I was in, mm -hmm. which was, Oh, I don't know. However many years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Sure. But I remember taking advantage of that last toxic relationship, toxic relationship and realizing why it was toxic and uh, I promise I would never do that to myself again. I mean, I was in that relationship for probably three years. Yeah. Maybe even four. No, it was, I think it was three years. And two and a half years, something like that. But at the end of the day, when I was dating after that, I did not settle. And I mean, I, I think that's probably the biggest. Uh, and, and Rebecca may have, have, have uh, learned this by now. But, you know, Rebecca, don't settle. Uh, do what Josh said and write down a list of qualities you wanted someone else. Like with me and snowboarding, it's like I, that was really important to me. Like they had to be into or skiing, at least one or the other. And I, I met, you know, really, uh, really nice person. We got along really well, like to ski. But you know what? She wanted to get married. Hmm. And at the end of the day, like I'm not I don't plan on getting married. Mm -hmm. I'm not a religious guy. I just don't plan on getting married again. Mm -hmm. And I remember her saying, oh, well, maybe one day you'll come around, mm. you know, maybe all, well, you know, you'll see, you'll come around. Yeah. Maybe one day you'll stop being wrong. And as soon as what, and, what that said. Yeah. And as soon as, and maybe she's right, but that's such a, such a bad way to enter a relationship thinking that this person's perfect, except uh -huh. for this one major thing that's really important to me. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and settle mm. and hopefully this person will change their mind. Yeah. I know that that was one of the issues with uh, the kids, with you and Carrie. Yeah, and, but it's weird and how, how that changed over time too. So so for me, I still don't plan on personally having having a, a kid. Well, I, not that I could ever give birth to a kid myself, <laughs> but, but participating in that process. I'll right. practice a lot, but I will not... <laughs> I, I will not participate in, in <laughs> the... Uh, yes, yes, keep going, Josh. Uh, in, in the actual making of a kid. But at the same time, I have become a father figure to Ella. Now, I fully recognize that she has a father, and I'm not trying to replace her father whatsoever, and I think that's important to set that boundary as well. But I also real, realize that it is part of the package, and I have to lean all the way in. I have to fully embrace that uh, because... Becca is so awesome mm -hmm. and I, we're so compatible and I really love the relationship and, and this is a big part of the relationship. She has a, a, a three-year-old back or Ella's almost four years old now. I've known her since she was one. And so I'm, I'm playing a, that role in, in her life, uh, as a either adult figure, father figure, uh, certainly a mentor in many mm -hmm. ways, someone that she learns a lot from. And so I can either shun that, which isn't going to be good for a relationship, or I can be willing to jump all the way into it. And if I'm not willing to jump all the way in, then I shouldn't be willing to engage in that relationship because right. I, I, you can't separate it. Right. It, it is it is part of, of that relationship. Right. And you wouldn't have done that with that relationship if Bex was like, oh yeah, and I want to have a second kid. That's really what I would like to do. Yeah, I, I, I certainly wouldn't have. And, and the same actually goes for her. She doesn't want to have a second kid either. So, so, so if you were saying, oh, wow, this kid thing's awesome. I think I want to have a kid of my own. Yeah, and then she was like, no, I really don't want to have another kid. One's enough for me. I'm like, ah, yeah, but one day, one, one day, day you'll, you'll see the your, light. You'll change your mind. <laughs> so yeah, Re Rebecca, do not settle. Uh, you know, th there are certainly um, some things, like Mariah, I just want to say, is like by far the best partner I have ever had. I uh -huh. mean, she is just amazing and we get along so well. And um, I, I, I spent a lot of time like choosing who I wanted to 
uh, uh, c- commit to essentially. Yes. I mean, w- it's funny because we dated for probably three months before we went on tour in 2014. Uh-huh. And I stayed in contact with her that whole year, building that relationship. Right. I don't think I could have built a relationship. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, there's seven billion people in the world. Maybe there's someone else out there. But sure. uh, what I really find special about Mariah is that, yeah, she was someone who I could like maintain that relationship with after a year. And she did see me a little bit throughout that. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and go on and on about Mars and our relationship. <sighs> but I, I just absolutely love it. But I, I'm just trying to really transfer this information to Rebecca that it's okay to be a little bit picky. And there are certain things like, you know, I would say Mariah and I align 99.9%. Right. And that 0.1% is things like, Hey, you know, uh, Valentine's day flowers mean a lot to me. Sure. And, and for me, it's like, yeah, it's innocuous. No one got me anything for Valentine's day. I was fine with that. Yeah. If I wouldn't have gotten Mariah anything, she would have been fine with that too. But I know that like those flowers do a little bit extra. Yeah. So, you know, going back to what we talked about uh, with getting to that point of appreciation, it's like now, you know, I appreciate Mariah. Mm -hmm. And so I go way out of my way to show her that I love her, uh, especially in ways that mean the most to her, not what means the most to me. Right. Like, well, you know, I was going to give them for you yesterday, but it means more to me today. So, uh, you know, I know, I know what it meant, meant more for you yesterday, but it's not about me. Right. Exactly. That's a really important point. So when you talk about settling, you, you don't want the other person to settle, but you also don't want to settle. It's not just about you. It's about us. Right? It's, it's this relationship. Right. By the way, that, that word settle, I, I think of you, you look at the ocean, you, look, you go, go to a fish tank. Even the things that settle to the bottom are the dead things. Yeah. So if you want to be a dead thing. If you want to settle, that means you, you want to be a dead thing in a way. And so that, that's what settling does. It also doesn't mean that things going to be perfect, right? Of it's course. It's going to require difficult conversations. It means that you are not settling for incompatibility yeah. and, and hoping someone else is going to change in time. Yeah. So what are the major factors in your life, Rebecca, that you want to have a partner with and, and start on with that foundation? Identify that, write it down, look at that list encant that list, find a way to compare that list with other people and, and say, hey, what do you think of this list? Mm. Uh, what's my ideal partner? If you are indeed looking for a partner, maybe you're not looking for one right now either, and that's okay too. But you can do the same thing with your friends. Who do I want to surround myself with? Ryan, in our book, uh, Everything That Remains, it's my favorite thing that we've ever written. I'm going to send a copy of that to Rebecca in Columbus because um, there are two breakups in there. One is my divorce, and then one is the relationship I had after that. And uh, there's an entire chapter in there about, well, there's a chapter for each one of those things in there. And I think you'll find a lot of value in both of those because I learned lessons from from my marriage ending. But then I also learned lessons from this new relationship that I thought was an ideal relationship. But then I learned that there's this thing called an us box in Mm. a relationship and that every relationship, friendship, intimate relationship, whatever, you want to contribute to that us box. And you also need to get from that us box. If you're just giving, you're going to feel used. If you're just giving, 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 you're going to feel used. If you're just taking, well, then you're a parasite. And the key to that that I learned from that is sometimes we, you know, we will give a little bit and take a lot. And that's what I started doing later on in that relationship is I started taking more than I was able to give even though I was able to give more, you're not always going to be able to give 50, 50. Sometimes you can give 70% because other person's going through rough times or whatever. Sometimes you need to take 70%. It's about giving what you can and getting what you need from a relationship. That's what makes the relationship healthy. And so 
I wrote a lot about that and the sort of demise of that relationship and, and the lessons from, from the fall there. So, um, yeah, it's called Everything That Remains. Sean, if you could send her the book version or the, it just came out on audiobook. It's like a five or six hour audiobook. I'd appreciate if you'd get her a, an audible download code if, if she'd like that kind of thing. All right, y'all, we'd love to hear what you have to say. If you have a, a comment or a tip for uh, our friends today who called in. Yeah, uh, but don't call in with your smart remarks. <laughs> If you, ha- if you have anything you'd like to, to add to today's questions, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. Uh, we'll air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. Did you just give them Sean Harding's phone number? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round. This is where we answer questions from social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Minimalists and Facebook.com slash The Minimalists. During our lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. And we also put the text to our minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and paste our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. All right, Josh. Our first question is from Nils. How do I politely keep my network and calendar at a size and busyness I'm comfortable with? Well, my short answer to that is schedule you time first and then fill the rest of your calendar accordingly. I'd say saying no doesn't make you a bad friend, especially when it enables you to say yes to life's most important things. I would, I would actually just echo that, Ryan. Saying yes to everything makes you a bad friend. Oh. You know, when you think about that, when you say yes, 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 it means you're forced to actually say no to the things that are truly important. You haven't, you haven't engaged in any priorities. I think, I think it's a really good point you brought up. And yeah, at the end of the day, man, like people who are my friends and let's say they reach out to me, Hey, can I do a guest essay on your website? Well, no, we don't do guest essays. I'm right. sorry. Even though we just had Colin Wright do a guest essay. But we went to him and asked him about, you know, yeah. to write something specifically. So at the end of the day, when I, I go to those, or those people come to me and they ask me for a favor, they ask me if I can do something. Uh-huh. And I say no. Right. Well, my true friends are going to understand. Yeah. And I also can tell them no uh, and say yes at the same time. So like with that example, someone comes to me and says, hey, can, can you do a... Uh, can I do a guest post or a guest essay on your site? And I'll say, well, no, we don't really do guest essays. But if you do write something that you feel would add a lot of value to our community, then let us know. And we'd be happy to share it with our, our you know, audience on social media. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a way for you to say yes and as opposed to just saying no. Or if you're just saying no, you usually have a good reason that, that you're going to say no. And it's so you can say yes to something else. Absolutely. Josh Bickford writes in what's the most ridiculous question you get about friends you mean besides this one josh <laughs> all right this one i think is 138 <laughs> characters so it fits right right into our, our hold on let me check it real quick minimal <laughs> maxims. uh so here goes q does minimalism mean i have to let go of my friends so that that is the most ridiculous question but i, I give it's an crazy. answer here yeah yeah i mean but people think that for some reason uh and so a no, minimalism allows us to better prioritize our most important relationships. Uh, I, I wrote down Q. How do I make my best friends become a minimalist? Mm. 
Or how do I make my partner become a minimalist? How do I force them into minimalism? Yeah. Uh, a, you don't make your friends do anything. Yes. And when has that ever worked? I mean, you, Rob Bell, um, uh, when we were at his conference, he was talking about how you can't really get anyone to change their values or beliefs when you're trying to force it upon them. The only way to do that is to support your friends. Right. So, right. you know, I would say, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you make your friends minister? You don't force your friends to do anything. Right. If anything, like you just be a good friend and support them with whatever they are doing in their lives. That's what the best friends are there for is yeah. they are supportive and they're going to support the people in their life. And we walk through the whole tolerance or whatever, but understanding other people, you want to be supportive of, of your friends unless they're doing something that's detrimental to the people around them or to themselves. Yeah. If Ryan, you started smoking all of a sudden, I'm not going to support that habit, no. but uh, I, I, I I'll try to understand it still, even right. if I'm not supportive. Yeah. But if I'm like coming to your house and lighting cigarettes up in your house and ignoring your request for me to not smoke inside your house, yeah, yeah. then it's going to have a, you're going to have a different reaction. Yeah. 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 All right. Sam wrote in, how do you know if a friend is a true friend? Or just someone you think is a friend and they're using you. All right. My maxim here is you can be used only if you're useful. And so let's talk about that real quick. We all use each other to some extent. We all get something from a relationship. Mm -hmm. the, when we say used in many contexts, what quite often we'll say we're manipulating other people. Mm -hmm. And so if someone's manipulating you, that is... That's a huge problem. But if you're useful, then you do get used. And so be useful with the right things yeah. is, is really where I'm going with that. Yeah, I think the other side of the coin, too, is it goes back to that us box mm -hmm. where if someone is just taking from the us box, then, yeah, you certainly could feel used if they're not giving back. Yeah. If they're not reciprocating, because I have friends who are uh, great friends and I see them maybe once or twice a year. They're great friends in the sense that. If I need help with something, like, hey, I, can you share this? I think this essay is going to add a lot of value to your audience. Can you share it? Or, hey, we just came out with a book. Do you mind tweeting this? Like, we can, you can totally go to people like that. And they come to us. Mm -hmm. And we use each other in, yeah. in, in a sense. But it's a very reciprocal relationship. Yeah. It's not like we go to them and say, hey, can you do this for, for us? And then they'll come back to us. Hey, can you do, can you do something similar to what I did for you? And we're, we, we don't look at them like, no. Why right. would we do that? Yeah, and so I think that's an important point. There's there's reciprocity there, but without the expectation of recipro of equal reciprocity. You know, like Ryan, I just rubbed your back for four minutes and thirty seconds. Right. It's now my turn for you to rub my back for four minutes and thirty seconds. Right. And no, you finished at four minutes and twenty five seconds. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That goes back to the holding account thing. That's, yeah, you, uh, you don't want to keep track of that stuff. It's that, a zero sum game. I it, think it really is. Uh, my short answer is: you get to choose what you do with your time. Not anyone else. Choose wisely. That's so important, man. Quite often, we let everyone else dictate our days, especially when we're, when we're in the corporate world. You're supposed to be here 9 to 5 in the soul-crushing office, and and you have this break or this, whatever. And and then even between there, you have these, these, these sort of micro-controls. Someone sends you an email. You have to respond to it on their time. They're choosing your schedule. And you can flip that around, though. You're in control of your time. You have one life. You get to pick how you live it. Haley, letting go of people is harder than letting go of things. People call back. My clothes don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the last time I got a phone call from my 
khakis I threw out. <laughs> yeah, man, those pleats. <laughs> is the silent treatment enough? Yeah, well, my, my short answer is just three words. Silence speaks volumes. Should we have Sean insert crickets? For the <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm well, you know what, man? It, it's funny because I, I, when I walk away, I tend to be silent and people tend to get the hint. If I'm walking away from a relationship, I'll usually have a conversation about it first. Like, hey, I'm reprioritizing my relationships. I'm spending more time doing this. We say no to a lot of stuff now. I mean, every day we say no to a lot of interviews people ask us to do just because I, I would, we would literally be filling up every day with interviews oh, yeah. if, if we fulfilled every request. And so what we'll send to them, either me, you, or Sean, we'll send and say, hey, you were working on other creative projects. I have to say no to this so I can say yes to some something else. But then if if... I have someone else in my life who, who is, uh, who I really know I need to walk away from, then it's okay to be silent. You're going to be silent sometimes anyway. The question is, are you being silent at the appropriate times? Right. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, before I give my answer here, I think silence is definitely an option. I don't think it's the first option. So my, my answer is don't avoid important conversations. Yeah. So if you're just giving someone the silent treatment because, you know, one day you're like, well, this friend isn't adding value anymore. That's crappy, man. I'm not going to be friends with them. And then you just stop talking yeah. to them. Like, that's, that's terrible. It's a really horrible way to deal with. You don't owe them any sort of explanation. No. Let's be clear about that. You're, it's okay to give someone the silent if you feel like that's necessary. But I agree with Ryan. Try to have that difficult conversation first, even if it's a conversation to say, I'm walking away. Now, unless the person, I've, I had an, an ex-girlfriend who was violent, and I walked away from that, and she got the silent treat, treatment, and, and she I've was never, attacking you. Yeah, literally attacking me, threw a pair of scissors at me. My goodness. Um, and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and so, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel compelled to sit her down and explain to her why I was silent. No, I, I, I'd continue to be silent and, and we haven't talked since and that's okay yeah. because what, what am I going to do? Sit down and with the, the literal threat of violence? No, of course no. not. And it's far worse for women who have uh, abusive husbands or abusive boyfriends, whether it's ver verbally abusive or especially physically abusive. Yes, of course you want to be silent. The right answer is absolute silence. Then you don't want to egg it on at all. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. It's, uh, it is, it is certainly an answer, but yeah, definitely not the first go-to. It's not your fault if someone else is being violent toward you. Right. It's never your fault unless you were violent to, toward them first. But even then, they, they're going to they're gonna start playing a role if they, if they perpetuate the violence. So if some guy is, is being violent toward, toward you or, or even threatening violence, it's okay to walk away, get help, mm -hmm. get away from that. Um, I understand that it's difficult, and, and there are times where that may, it may seem impossible, but there are there are a lot of resources out there that can help you. A yeah. lot of people out there willing to help. Justine writes, "What's the true difference between family, friends, and acquaintances?" I tend to think too many people are my friends. Well, this is my favorite answer of of the show here. It's just three short sentences. Family will suffer for you. Friends will support you. Acquaintances will be there when it's convenient. And I, I'll just. To add on to that, I'll just say that there's nothing wrong with any of those three things. Mm -hmm. uh, being someone's acquaintance, I'm other, I'm some, certain people's acquaintances, and I'll be there when it's convenient for me. And yeah, and it's okay. And in a way, they're a friend. They're just an 
acquaintance acquaintance friend yeah you're <laughs> right i mean it's a, we can use that term friends more broadly here and acquaintance is a type of friend or family should also be your friend i mean yeah i consider you to be my family when i introduce you to people i'll often call you my brother and people will look at us like they, they don't look related um and I'll often say, well, yeah, we have different fathers. Which is totally true. It's absolutely <laughs> true. Um, but, um, but I mean, you and I, our family, we're also friends. My, my other family, whether it's Bex or, or other people, we should be friends. And just because you're family doesn't mean you have to be friends either. It doesn't, just because you're born in the same household or whatever, you, you, you come out of the same person, that, that doesn't mean that you have, you have an allegiance to that person in perpetuity either. Yeah, that's a good lead into my answer. Uh, my answer is I invest in people who are invested in me regardless of whose blood they have in their veins. Yes. So yeah, I totally agree with you, man. Our last question here is from Alexandria. Is it possible to maintain a healthy relationship with a friend if you no longer share the same values? Well, I think I echoed the sentiment early on, and I mean, my short answer, shortest answer would be maybe, but, but even shorter than that, I, I tend to think no, but, and here's why, here's, here, so here's my maxim, values are the bedrock of friendship. Amen, man. I think you gotta have similar values. Well, well, here's my answer. Uh-huh. Being friends with someone whose values don't align with yours is possible, but it ain't easy. Yeah, I mean that. It, so it is possible, but I can tell you when I've tried to like keep those friendships going, it is it's some of the most difficult relationships I've been in. Not not just friendships, but like girlfriends or partners that I have uh, uh, invested in, and mm-hmm. I try to keep that going when we don't have similar values. It is it makes for a a difficult time, and yeah, I don't feel great. There's a negative tension that's there yeah. constantly. It's like this low-level tension, and it constantly sort of boils up, and mm-hmm. and uh, that's because you don't you don't have the same foundation. Right. Your your beliefs aren't aren't headed to the same place, and so you're pulling each other in different directions, and that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to our added value portion of the show. This is where we each recommend something that has added value to our lives recently. Uh, I've got a few things here, but what do you got, Ryan? How was that uh, cartel coffee? Like the Yerga Chef. It was delicious. From Car- Ethiopia. Cartel is one of my favorite uh, uh, roasters for sure. It, it was really good. Yeah. it's Even it though is. Ethiopia is out of season right now, it was still pretty good. Yeah. it's uh, Yeah. They've got some good roasts right now. They had a Columbia up until like last week that is gone now. Um, but yeah, anything. There's an El Salvador there right now. They have another Ethiopian. It's not... Uh, a Yerga chef. Um, I, f- I forget the name of it off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. But but if you like good coffee and you live in the States, I don't know. I don't think they... They might ship elsewhere. They might Who ship knows? elsewhere. But yeah, you can go to, uh, I believe it's cartelcoffeelab.com. What, whatever the link is, Sean will have it in the show notes. But yeah, they got, they got some awesome coffee. Try it out. And if you're in the Phoenix or Tucson area, they've got some really beautiful shops down there too. Another one yeah. downtown Tucson is amazing. We, we've uh, spent some time in there doing some work. Uh, they also have one in like a weird sort of strip mall somewhere in Tucson. Last time, uh, last time I was there, I, I went there, but it's a, it's a beautiful space and they make really great. I'll tell you the, the, so a couple years ago when we went on that 2014 tour, Ryan and L magazine had us write like, what are your five favorite coffees? Cause oh, yeah. we used to always just joke that like it was a coffee tour of the U S we just happened to do book signing events while we were in talks while we were out. But, um, cartel was on that list best cup of coffee i had 
all year that year, well, on tour at least, was at, at Cartel. I believe it was the Yergeshev too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. It yeah. was definitely an Ethiopian. There was another one that, that I had that this was not my recommendation at all, but I was in uh, Ashland. Is it Asheville oh. or a- Ashland? Uh, Ashland. Oregon. Yeah. There's a place called Noble there. Yeah. Uh, it was the best coffee I, I – it's the best cup of coffee I ever had. Um now, what, could I replicate that? Probably not. I guarantee if I go there now, I'm not going to have that same level of outstanding coffee. So I don't want to... Do they sell beans? I, they might. Yeah, they maybe. might. They, they, they do their own roasting. So, okay. so maybe they ship. Yeah. You know, we're we're going to cool. start roasting. I mean, we, we actually just started the process. So for the folks who know, we have a, a coffee shop down in, in St. Petersburg, Florida. The two of us started it with uh, some friends down in the Tampa Bay area. And we're going to start roasting this year. We've actually started doing some tests and hope to have our first coffee out later this year. We'll we'll keep you abreast of that. But if you're down in the St. Petersburg, Florida area, you can always stop in to Bandit Coffee Co. That is our coffee house. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary. Dude, that we had the, the one-year party. What oh a my good goodness. turnout for the throwdown. Oh, it was so that was it was awesome, huge. Man. Yeah. So uh, added value for me, since we're talking about relationships, there's a great book by our friend Colin Wright called Some Thoughts About Relationships. Uh, Bex and I read this book to each other. Each night we'd read one chapter. They're short chapters. He has these different Does she po- make you wear a Colin mask while you read that to her? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how do you know about the Colin mask? <laughs> oh, uh, no, keep going. She makes you do his podcast voice as well. <laughs> Some Thoughts About Relationships <laughs> by Colin Wright. Uh, but it's a great book and, uh, he, he just, he outlines these policies that are great for friendships, great for intimate relationships, just great for the people you put in your life. Having these policies set up is like having a good foundation, uh, and agreeing on your values early on. It's a great way to agree on your values. So Bex and I, when we first started dating, we read this book together and it, it really helped shape our relationship in a positive way. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And speaking of Colin's radio voice, he has a a really good podcast called Let's Know Things. I just listened to the most recent episode last night. It was called Political Omnivores. And he has just a great viewpoint on on politics these days and how, how uh, I don't, I wouldn't say how hypocritical we are, but often we are. Uh, when, when we get outraged at one thing, but when the other side doesn't do it, all of a sudden we're not outraged. And vice versa. It doesn't matter what side you're on. And he talks about being an omniv- a political omnivore, like carefully choosing from both sides of, of the spectrum. And it yeah. allows you not to be put into any, any particular box. But he does a really good job uh, just exploring different topics. It's called Let's Know Things because he wants to learn new stuff. And so he'll take an article, he'll dissect it, and he'll give his own thoughts. But he'll also give a lot of facts around around what's going on with whatever that new topic is he's trying to learn. And uh, Ryan just mentioned he, he wrote an essay. We actually re- reached out to him and had him write this essay called Valuable Things. I think the first line of it I'm trying to remember is uh, possessions can bring you happiness, but only if you buy the right things. Mm. And, and uh, so that, that. That, that's up on our website right now at theminimalists.com slash valuable. Uh, two other things I've been getting a lot of value from recently that have improved my relationship with my partner is that we listen to podcasts together sometimes. Uh, Chris D. Chris D'Elia, he uh, has a podcast called Congratulations with Chris D'Elia, and he's a hilarious comic. We saw him last time we were out in L.A., and uh, I mean, he was just so funny. But what I really enjoyed uh, from, from his podcast is he just goes on these rants. It's like a 45-minute rant. 
him by himself making fun of other cities and other people and making fun of himself and but it's it's all in a way that's very self-deprecating and endearing and Bex and I will just listen to it and crack up together so mm-hmm. uh and then another relationship podcast Dan Savage uh he has the Savage Love Cast that's a great one a lot of sex advice or just relationship advice in general and it we, gets raunchy sometimes man. oh it certainly does oh my god and uh like sometimes I'm like I'm just like cringing but sometimes i like to cringe i guess <laughs> <laughs> well what bex and i like to do is we like to pause it and like say what do you think dan's gonna say and how would you answer this question oh that's great and it makes us think about how, how would i approach this subject if i had if i'm presented with this <laughs> do, how am i going to approach do you it? think there are couples out there playing that are doing that same thing with our hashtag ask the minimalist lightning round uh, maybe <laughs> if so give us a call let us know how, how that's working out for you but uh those are the things that have been adding value to to my life recently you can check those out all in the show notes of course uh, we'll move on now what are we moving on to ryan right here right now yeah yeah this is where we start talking about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists so ryan and i are hitting the road this year it's called the less is now tour we're going to be coming to your city, hopefully. We're going to give an in-depth talk about minimalism. We've got some old material and some new material, also a new presentation. But more important, we're going to bring a live version of, of the Minimalist podcast. And we're going to record it in front of some live audiences. We're starting out in Boston. That event is almost sold out, but there are still some tickets left if you're interested in going to that. And then we're announcing a lot more cities really soon. So make sure you're on our email list. You can find all the dates and cities and everything we announce, as well as sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com slash tour. Also, Ryan, we have, since our last episode where we threatened to hold this podcast hostage, if people didn't leave us more uh, five-star reviews, we have over 250 new five-star reviews. Wow. And and uh, I just want to say thanks real quick for everyone who was willing yeah. to, to pause the podcast, just stop. Because what that does is, it, I know it sounds crazy to people, but it gets this podcast in front of more people. It's still not anywhere commiserate, close to being commiserate with with the number of down, we're gonna have between six or seven million downloads this month. So I would ask for a lot more because this gets this podcast in front of more people's ears. We're the number one health podcast right now on iTunes, and we're in the top fifty overall podcasts. You know what's crazy about that? There's something like seven hundred thousand podcasts out there now. Oh my goodness! And to be in the top fifty of all of them, I just want to say we're really grateful for that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for the people who are willing to stop and leave a review. We never do any ads. We we don't. Uh, we're not going to bombard you with things we don't think add value to your life. In fact, the reason we're in here re-recording this episode today is we recorded a friend's episode yesterday and we just didn't feel great about it. And so we will pause and we will make sure we put our best foot forward. All of our episodes are completely uh, 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 imperfect. And (laughs) gluten-free. They are gluten-free most of the time. Um, (laughs) No, thank you so much, guys, for, for leaving reviews. It does mean a lot to us and yeah, and any any reviews you leave on any of our stuff, uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, and of course, you can't advertise on The Minimalist Podcast, but if you'd like to help support the podcast, you can donate at theminimalists.com slash donate. I wonder what else is going on. I'm going out to Bozeman this weekend. Nice. We're actually supposed to be in California right now, <laughs> uh, but... Some, Same thing. Some wires got crossed. Oh. Uh, we're supposed to be out at Moder- Modernism Week in uh, Palm Springs right I now. I saw that in the... Yeah, on the well, calendar. that was on the calendar. We bought tickets for that, but then uh, it happened to be the same weekend that um, Bex, her her family, is 
they're doing like you know Christmas in February kind of thing. Dude, that out sounds in like Bozeman. something I would do, man. Yeah, and um, <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to uh, uh, giving up what you want to get what you need. Yeah, like I I would much prefer to be in at Modernism Week this this uh, week and and checking out the the architecture and the art and all that fun stuff, but. Uh, my relationship is more important than checking out architecture for sure. And so I had to give up what I want this week in order to get, to get what I need. Mm. But that's the last thing I got going on right here, right now. What, uh, what's going on? What else is going on, Ryan? Josh, how would you like some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners? I'd love it. Let's do it. I'm a latecomer to your podcast. And as a result, I have been binge listening over the past several days. And I really love the theme music. I find myself humming it randomly sometimes. It has been great motiva- motivation when I'm decluttering my closets and, um, and when I come across some random item that I might have considered keeping, I think to myself, every little thing you think that you need, I bet that you'll be fine without it. Hey, guys. My name is Meg. I live in Carmel, California. I just want to leave a couple comments. Uh, When I left my ex-husband about seven years ago, we were living in a two-story house with a packed garage and a rented storage unit. I left with only what I could fit into my car. I slept on an air mattress and read in a folding deck chair. I only had enough kitchen supplies to partially fill one cupboard, one plate, one bowl, one fork, one knife, one spoon. Well, you get the idea. I was so happy. Since I have bought a bed and a few other things, After later moving out of my apartment to begin working as a traveling medical speech therapist, I moved most of my things into a storage unit again as I was renting a room. I realized very quickly, however, that it was very silly to spend money on a storage unit for things I was not using at all. So I quickly arranged to have a nurse I was working with at the time help me to clear out the storage unit. All I wanted was my bed, a lamp, a couple pictures, and my bike. In exchange for her help, she could have everything else. Recently, I was watching your documentary and loved it. I figured I would go through my things with the idea that in mind that if things didn't serve a purpose or bring me joy, I would donate them. I didn't think that I had that much seeing as how I live in one room of a house, but it turned out that I was able to donate 12 kitchen bags of stuff to Goodwill yesterday that I don't even miss a little bit. I only threw away two bags of trash of things that were not reusable. Last night when I went to bed, I felt like I could breathe so much better. Anyways, I think you guys are great, and I wanted to thank you for what you do. Virtual hugs to you both. I also wanted to pass along something that helps me from time to time when I am tempted to buy a piece of jewelry or art that wouldn't fit into my life. I take a picture of it. I feel like I can enjoy the beauty of it without it actually taking up space in where I live. After a while, I even delete the picture from my phone. It really helps me feel like I'm not depriving myself. Hey, Joshua and Ryan. Thanks for your podcast. I've watched your documentary and I've read Essential from my public library. But your podcast is the best way for me, an auditory learner and a multitasking mom of three. Um, I do find a lot of value in The Minimalist. And I wanted to share with the listeners two apps that I use in regards to clothing. Number one is Rent the Runway. It's an app that you can rent formal dresses and accessories. Um, The cool thing about them is they send you two dresses in two different sizes to ensure that you will find the best fit and you can see photos of real people wearing the dress to help you decide what will work best for you. It's perfect for weddings or special occasions, um, so you don't have to buy a new item. 
And number two is ThreadUp. It's another app that buys and sells gently used items. They send you a prepaid postage clean-out bag that you can fill up with your unwanted items, and you can get cash for those items or use the credit to purchase a new-to-you item that you would find value in. It's the perfect way to get rid of items that you no longer need and to purchase a gently used new-to-you item. Bonus, you can return items that don't fit or you don't like. I personally try to use it like a storage locker, so you can get rid of the things that you don't want anymore, buy some new-to-you things, and when those things aren't working anymore or you're not finding value in, send them back as well for cash or credit. The only negative thing about Rent the Runway or Thread Up apps is, sorry, Joshua and Ryan, they don't have men's items. But Thread Up does sell children's um, gently used items. So that's a great option for a busy mom like me. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalist or a comment about today's episode, give us a call, 406-219-7839. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for And you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it so take your eyes away Or take